Hey everyone, I wanted to wait until the weekend was over before posting this uh, because I wanted to give you all a chance to watch Black Adam. But now that plenty of you have, I wanted to make it official that I am back as Superman. And the image you see on this post and what you saw in Black Adam are just a very small taste of things to come. So uh, there's a lot to be thankful for, and I'll get to that in time. But I want to thank you guys most of all. Thank you for your support, and thank you for your patience. I promise it will be rewarded. everyone uh rob here uh i'm joined by the wonderful alan uh we're recording this in a slightly unusual setting i'm parked on the side of the road uh getting ready for a two-hour uh business trip out to waterford where alan's from best part uh, of the country alan, <laughs> alan is tucked safely at home the reason we're recording this this is an emergency broadcast ladies and gentlemen <laughs> uh henry cavill has broken the news that he allegedly and we'll come back to that, allegedly is back as Superman. He has announced that he is back. He has posted a video, uh, a picture of himself wearing the Superman suit. Spit curl uh, and all. Slightly different, spit curl and all, slightly different than what we're used to seeing. Very, very slightly different. Uh, so we just said we'd do a quick reaction piece to it um, to tag on to our Superman Returns episode that you're about to hear shortly. So Alan, what, what were your thoughts on this? I was surprisingly happy with it, to be honest. I like Henry Cavill. I know we don't like the... We're not the biggest fans of the Snyderverse, and that's you know goes without yeah. saying, and you know we're, underest we're understating it there. But we both like Henry. Um, I like Henry. I like the passion that he brings to the role. I think he looks the part. I don't think he's been serviced well with scripts and stories and stuff to date. And I think for him to come back... I don't think it's going to be the big triumph that the Snyder fans think it's going to be. I think Henry Cavill is coming back with some kind of a view on the way that he wants this character to go finally. And I don't think he's coming back to do more of the same. What do you think? Yeah. I um, I was thinking about this, right? So if you can picture, if you have a new house <laughs> and you move into the house and there's no toilet in the house and someone comes rushing into the room and says, don't worry everybody, we've got uh, the world famous plumber is coming over to sort out the, the toilet situation. And then someone says, well, yeah, but does he have a toilet? Like, <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't know about that, but he's a great plumber. You know, that that's, that's kind of my reaction is, uh, yeah, Henry Cavill definitely looks the part. I, I've never been super duper enamored with his actual performances <laughs> i think he's quite good i think he's really good in other stuff i think he was amazing in mission impossible fallout we count uh, Monte Cristo. none of his performances count Monte Cristo. that's a deep dive <laughs> none of his performances have really blown me away as superman but as you said that could just be the material i think i very strongly believe that henry cavill himself possibly wasn't delighted about the direction those films went i think he would have loved to have had a solo sequel and maybe they're finally going in that direction. My main concern is not who's playing Superman, it's who's writing the movie and who's directing the movie. Yeah. And but personally, is there, is, I haven't seen... Go on. Is there even a movie? 
Is there even a movie? That's the other thing. We're, like, we're only taking Henry Cavill's word for it that he's actually back as Superman. This could all be a weird power play type thing where he's forcing Warner Brothers' hands. See, I, I don't by... think I don't think that's it. But is it just going to be more kind of Black Adam cameos going forward? Uh, like, there's this been, is the other thing. You know, that's what I'm concerned about. That where he's back, we're not going to have any more headless Superman like we had in Shazam. But are we actually getting a Superman 2? Are we getting a Man of Steel 2? Are we getting another version of the Man of Steel? What are we getting here? What is the actual announcement? And he said there's more announcements to come. Um, you know, there, there's more to come as, as as the weeks and months follow and stuff. But I, I would love to see a Man of Steel 2. But I don't want to see a sequel to Man of Steel. I, I'd like to see a, just yeah. another version <laughs> of Henry Cavill's yeah. Superman. Another Superman. Like... Yeah, I I, I, I I would take the approach of if anyone remembers oh, this probably isn't the best example, but the Edward Norton Incredible Hulk movie, where you kind of go into it and the broad strokes are roughly the same as the Eric Bana one, but it's fundamentally a different movie and a different universe. Yeah, and you're you're not punished if you approach it as a sequel, but you're also not punished if you approach it as a brand new thing. And I'd really like to see that. But my main concern at the moment is, and I say this as someone who has not actually seen Black Adam yet, but uh, anyone I know who is a big fan of DC on film who has seen Black Adam, the more forgiving of those people, for example, Zach Moore, I listened to his Patreon exclusive review of it this morning. They've all said the same thing, and that's, it's okay, it's fine, it's not great. Mm -hmm. It's generic, it's derivative, it's like a bunch of movies you've already seen. And yeah. that's that's not even that's not even taking into account the actual kind of critic uh, you know the critical response to it, which has been fairly negative, it's fair to say. It, it seems like so, it, it seems like DC have finally caught on to following the MCU formula now that everybody's fed up with the MCU formula. <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of that to it, alright, yeah. Except like we're all the, the jaded with that, like, you know. Yeah, it's it's like Mark Kermode who gave it a scathing review. He was like, there's nothing wrong with superhero movies. I love superhero movies, but I don't like superhero movies where I don't care about what's going on. Yeah. And that kind of that really hit home for me because there is a there's quite a few of them now where I'm just like, yeah, this is all fine, but I just don't really care about any of these characters. And it sounds like that's what Black Adam is, and I would hate to think that we finally have a Superman movie in production and it's just going to be yeah. Well, who cares? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, look, if, if Warner Brothers are determined, if Warner Brothers is going to be determined to release the Ezra Miller um, Flash film, which it seems that they are determined to do, that we get the hard reset, the Flashpoint reset, mm. and that we basically get a brand new Superman movie, a brand new iteration of Superman still starring Henry Cavill. Because if Man of Steel, if it is Man of Steel 2, are we getting Amy Adams back? Are we getting Lawrence Fishburne back? People who yeah. clearly just don't want to do those roles anymore and who are jaded and tired of, of, of those of those roles. Are we getting them back? I don't think we need to be forcing these people into into these films. I think a no. hard reset is what's needed. If Henry is back, I, I would say, if I was to guess as to what might happen next, I would say they will do a Thor Ragnarok type Superman movie where he goes off to a different planet. And there's plenty of stories you could adapt to do that. The recent War World Saga, like Mongol, I'd say he'll... Mongol or something like some kind of space-based adventure where Superman is away from Metropolis and away from all those problems that we can deal with in another film and that way you can get away somehow without having Lois and Perry White and 
you know, maybe Diane Lane will come back. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of stuff in the air for me at the moment. And until I hear who the writer and the director is, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. That's the, the nicest thing I could say. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Look, we'll just have to stay tuned and see what's coming before we before we wrap up and 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 this segment and uh, launch into our Superman Returns episode. Just want to highlight the fact that we lost Leslie Jordan this week, um, who yes. uh, listeners would know from Lois and Clark. He, he played two great roles in Lois and Clark, first in season one in um, what was the name of that episode? Look, I'm looking through you, I think. Yes, yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I, I that's the lesser of the two. Yeah, opinion. I can't, I can't remember the name of the character off the top of my head, but he basically played a, a chap uh, who invented an invisibility suit in one of the earliest episodes, and it was a nice, charming little episode. Jim Beaver yeah. played the bad guy in it, and oh the, yeah, and then obviously Resplendent Man in season three. Yes, two, no, that's season two, season baby. Two. That's, that was one of my favorites as a kid. Resplendent Man. He becomes this. He, there's a lightning strike or something, and he gains Superman's powers. And uh, he becomes this like for-profit superhero with this really shitty infomercial, and he charges money when he saves. Is he is he kind of like Booster Gold a little bit? Yeah, actually, that's not a bad comparison. I think he even does product endorsements. I think he does. He has all the patches. Remember, he has all the oil patches and stuff. He looks like. uh, that guy in Mystery Men. Do you remember Mystery Men yes. from the nineties? And he had all the the Pepsi C- and Captain stuff. Captain Amazing. And Captain yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sadly Leslie. And he's look. He's he's been great on Instagram. I followed him over COVID as well. I know you did too. And he he did a lot of funny videos. He did other things. He was um he was prominent in Will and Grace. He kind of played Karen's arch nemesis, I think, in Will and Grace. And yes. Um, he was in. I haven't seen it. I've never seen any episode of it. But he was in um uh, American Horror Story, I think, as well. American Horror Story. I saw him pop up in that, and I saw him pop up in the help from a couple of years ago and i remember when when we saw that movie i turned to my girlfriend and i said and we, this was very early on when we were first going out i was like oh that guy's in a season two episode of lois and clark we've got to watch it and lo and behold <laughs> and when she didn't dump you that's when you knew she was the girl for you <laughs> that's when i knew yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but so- I, I broke the news to her yesterday that he had died and she knows him from instagram from yeah. all this stuff and she was genuinely upset like because she loves his videos and he's, loves all his stuff so he's such a positive happy yeah. he was on a, he featured an episode of Michael Rosenbaum's um, Inside of You Michael Rosenbaum podcast a while ago oh I didn't know that yeah he was on an episode and he spoke about he suffered with uh, drug abuse in his early years and stuff kind of around the time That's of right. Rose and Clark and before that and he, he goes in depth about that but his he was so uplifting and positive on his Instagram stories always brought a smile to so many people's faces and uh, unfortunately he passed away um, it looks like the, the, the early reports are that he crashed his car after suffering some kind of a medical condition maybe a heart attack or something like that so unfortunately we lost Leslie Jordan and I just wanted to, to highlight that before, uh, before we move on So very very good very well said Saying that, will we jump straight into Superman Returns with our good friend Matt? Let's do it. Uh, you can expect better sound quality from me and a <laughs> rousing discussion, uh, some hot takes. Matt, Matt said something really, really powerful about this movie and it was one of, I think it's one of the strongest things we've ever, the strongest reactions we've ever had yeah. to anything we've discussed on this show so far. So definitely check that out and let us know what you thought. Absolutely, and we have some great episodes uh, coming up before the end of the year as well, including our, our Christmas special. So enjoy, guys, and we'll see you on the next one. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we know what's happening. We talk, we talk, we talk Superman, and we cover everything. 
Hi, superfans. Welcome back to All-Star Superfan, the podcast that explores the full 80-plus year legacy of the Man of Steel throughout all of the various mediums. As always, I am Alan Burke, and joining me again is the Metropolis Cape Crusader himself, Mr. Robert O'Connor. Wrong! <laughs> I can't wait to get into this film, but first we're going to introduce our guest. Uh, we'll give out our socials later on. We'll introduce our guest first. Matt, welcome back to All-Star Superfan. Hey, I'm always around, you know. <laughs> it's great to have you back, man. Good to see you. Good to see you guys, too. I, I'm so excited to, uh, when you talked about, like, well, we might do a Superman Returns thing. That was the one that it was like, oh, me. Yeah, me, me, <laughs> yeah. me, 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 me. Um, I've talked about this movie on Zach's podcast before, um, like two years ago this month, I think. Like, it was just weird. Um, and now I'm, I'm like... I'm never tired of talking about this movie to the point where I didn't even have to watch it all the way through, which is not me like not preparing for your wow. movie, but it's just one of those movies that just like is is like Embedded. a person in your life, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like I, I know it so well. So very excited. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and it's it's great to have you back to talk about something that's not Lois and Clark related. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to, to have a chat with you again about something that's that's completely different. Rob, you were at Dublin City Comic Con today. I was, um, yeah. I, I I had a little stroll around. I um, I met a guy cosplaying as Jorel, which that. was amazing. Uh, there there was a couple of Supermans there, um, a, a few little kind of indie creators doing Superman artwork and stuff mm. like that. Um, I met Brian Azzarello for for anyone cool. who might have read uh, Superman for Tomorrow, which is one of Henry Cavill's I think favorite uh, pieces of Superman comic uh, book creations. So. That was pretty exciting. Peter Weller was there. Alan, you met Peter Weller, I think, yesterday. Is that right? Yeah, I, I couldn't go today. I had to go yesterday, which I, I generally hate going on the Saturday because the Saturday is mm. just chaos. It's just like queues and loads of people and stuff. And I, I generally find that the Sunday is a bit more relaxed, a little bit more family friendly. Um, and I'm not kind of one of those guys who rocks in at, at like 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. and then stays all day. I kind of go in, you know, go around, like you said, see the independents, kind of catch up with some of the local traders. Um, and if there's any guests I want to see. So I met uh, Peter Weller yesterday, Robocop himself. And uh, I was kind of apprehensive about it because everybody was like, just to, just so you know, Peter Weller, Peter Weller's <laughs> a bit of a dick. And uh, yeah. I uh, I met him and he could not have been nicer. And uh, my my streak of just meeting really nice people at uh, at um, Comic-Con continues. I thought this might be... Your streak of paying really nice people. Yeah, <laughs> paying really nice people to be nice Sorry. to me. Um, but no, met Peter Weller. He was a gent. I uh, got a photo of him, got him to sign a, a print I have here beside me. I actually picked up from... Uh, we were talking off mic about... Um, uh, Jason, I think, from mm. Heroes and Villains. I picked up the new NECA uh, Robocop oh, figure that. there, so I'm thrilled mm. with that. But yeah, it was just a lovely experience. I met Brian Azzarello as well, got him to sign my copy of um, my number one, my issue one of uh, Superman for Tomorrow. Uh, missed out on, on uh, Scott Snyder. I couldn't stick around. He was gone on his break and I couldn't meet up with him. But I met mm. up with a great local um, artist, uh, Stephen Mooney, who's just, he, he's he's working at the moment on the Rocketeer run. And uh, yeah, he was he was an absolute gentleman. So um, yeah, I'd love to see him do kind of Superman stuff or Batman stuff down the road. He's he's such a he, talented. He did. Um, Stephen Mooney penciled uh, the Grayson comic there for a while. Oh, I didn't actually know that. that. Yeah. So when Dick Grayson became like a secret agent there for a little yeah, while, I think yeah. Stephen Mooney was on that. And Stephen Mooney, one of the things he does is he often draws uh, kind of dark haired male characters to look like himself. <laughs> 
um and you can definitely tell that like he's he drew dick grayson to look a little bit like him which i kind of always thought was cool because who must be a good looking dude like dick grayson's never been is a is a fine looking gentleman let me tell you so uh, yeah power to him then go for it he's a good looking guy all right yeah so some great cosplay and stuff so yeah dublin city comic-con looking forward to it another another well-run event this year can't wait to see it next year again and i think it's march the spring edition is in march i think rob isn't it um, yeah. But yeah, so tonight's episode, guys, we are going to talk, and we've been speaking about it uh, amongst ourselves for a while, we are going to talk about 2006's Superman Returns. Mm-hmm. So before I get into the kind of the facts and the synopsis and all that kind of stuff of it, I just wanted to kind of get your experiences of seeing it kind of at the time. Um, and, you know, maybe you're, you remember your first time seeing it and what you thought coming out of the theatres. And so, uh, Matt, being the guest tonight, we'll start with you. Can, can you tell us about your first experience watching Superman Returns? Yeah, I, I like we'll, we probably get into this a little bit later when when we're debating things about this movie, I'm sure. But like I, I had a total like almost transformative experience watching this movie for the first time. Um, it, I, I totally understand um, uh, certain fan reactions and, and opinions about it. But it was just one of those things where like I came out of that movie like in love and changed and it just like everything got me i went on a rainy you know summer day whatever it was i think it was in june June it was yeah it would have been it would have been in around june 21st it was released oh okay excuse me it was pushed Um, to july in ireland because of the world cup that's how well i remember uh, Ah. well i saw it earlier than you guys uh (laughs) no a rainy day went uh dragged my mother because she had showed me all of Lois and Clark and I'm like, it's, it's Lois and Clark, you know, it's the movie of this. Um, she couldn't care less. Uh, and I just had this transformative <laughs> experience. And that, that like whole month that summer was me like rewatching Lois and Clark DVDs. Cause they just had been released like in conjunction with the movie the year of Superman. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, like, I remember I got all, you know, I got all the figures and stuff. Like I just, I just fucking loved this movie. And uh, we were watching, I was just watching stuff with my family and a commercial for it came on and just like, you know, uh, now playing in theaters and my dad behind me is like, and constantly in Matt's mind. I'm like, yep, pretty much. You know, <laughs> like, that, is, that is so what this is right now. Um, so yeah, and it's just, it's it's always stayed with me. But um, yeah, sorry, I rambled, but that was my first time. I love this movie. I, I really can't wait to get into that with you and kind of talk more about that experience. And, and like, I was expecting you to kind of say, oh, I really enjoyed it, you know, more so than a lot of people did at the time. But like transformative experience, that's that's deep. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. Yeah, I, I, it's it's a weird thing that I always, I always think about when I'm watching this movie. But um, hey, that's Rob, cool. how about you? <laughs> so this might surprise everyone listening mine was actually very similar as well um so this movie is kind of like one of the linchpins one of the bench par- benchmarks of my whole superman fandom so oh, here we go so uh initially there was rumors of a new batman movie coming out that turned out to be batman begins that batman begins screening when i first saw it that was like the ultimate vindication for me because i brought a bunch of my friends who weren't into superheroes who weren't into batman you know that they 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 just didn't get the whole thing and then we left batman begins and they were all literally turning to me going oh my god rob you were right you you've been right all these years to have this obsessive batman fandom that movie oh my god it was incredible right so by this point by the time batman begins came out we were already hearing that there was a superman movie in production We'd already seen that image of Brandon Routh wearing that suit. And 
like Brian Singer was going to be directing it. There, there'd been all these other directors that were involved at one point or another. Mick G at one stage was mm-hmm. going to be directing mm-hmm. Superman. Right. There was all these disastrous directors. J.J. Abrams had written that script that just wasn't great. All this stuff was in the ether. But then Brian Singer stepped in and went, no, 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 no. We're not doing any of that shit. We're doing Christopher Reeve. He's back. Superman Returns. It's going to be in. Con- it's going to be continuity with the old movies. Great, right? So I was there thinking, oh my god, Superman Returns is going to do for Superman what Batman Begins did for Batman. <laughs> the second coming. So, yeah. you know, I spent a whole year on message boards. You know, this was where I got into all that stuff. I met my best friend Parker. Probably crossed paths with with uh, Zach at some stage or another. I'm not sure. I think <laughs> he was active on the Superman homepage boards at that stage. Uh, Michael Bailey, definitely all those people. Uh, skip forward a year, I had become so active on all these message boards that Warner Brothers themselves reached out to me. This is not a lie, by the way. They reached out to me and said, you are one of the most active <laughs> Superman fans online in the Republic of Ireland. Would you like to come to the press screening for Superman Returns, right? So I was invited to the press screening in, oh, in Ireland in June, a full month before it came out in to general audiences because of the World Cup. They they delayed it because of the World Cup because they knew that people wouldn't go to the cinema while the World Cup was on. The soccer World Cup, by the mm-hmm. way. So I went. I enjoyed it, but I think I told myself that I enjoyed it more than I actually did, if that makes sense. I yeah. came out of it thinking, oh my God, that was amazing. Told everyone how amazing it was. And then a month later it came out and everyone was like, yep, yeah, it was great, Rob. Thanks. Yeah, sure. Really enjoyed it. As opposed to the previous year when Batman Begins came out and everyone was like, oh my God, incredible, amazing. Yeah. And the exact Trust same thing Rob happened with everything. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the, like, sorry, before we get in, that's the ultimate litmus test of any movie is show a bunch of non-fan, like non-crazy fanboy people, show them the movie and see what their reaction is. And that's what their reaction was to this movie. Agreed. Go yeah. ahead, Alan. Um, my experience is a lot less uh, um, dramatic, I think, than everybody else's. I, I was excited. In 2006, I was in the police academy here, the, the Garda College here in Ireland. And uh, I remember like being really excited that kind of I had followed Smallville for a couple of years and it dealt with uh, Clark when he was in high school and it had dealt with him kind of going off to college. And I had done that. And then I was excited that I was kind of leaving, you know, starting the phase of my life of actually going out and starting the job after training for for two years. And uh, Superman was back on the big screen and like the excitement of the Christopher Reeve series being continued, like it's hard to describe that now, but like the, yeah. the, the thought process that that world was going, we were going back to that universe and we we're going to see it in the big screen and it may not have been with Chris and it may not have been with Margot, but it didn't really matter. I was so excited for it. And uh, I remember seeing it opening night here in Ireland, Friday night. And yeah, I, I liked it. I was I was underwhelmed by it. I was I was seriously underwhelmed by it. And we'll go through it as we as we go through the 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 the, the film itself. But I have to say I was underwhelmed by it. But over the years, the more I've returned to it, uh, I, the the most recent I've watched it was today, and I, I hadn't seen it. I don't think I'd seen Superman Returns in ten years, maybe eight years at the very least. And I sat <sighs> down and I watched it this morning. And I was expecting, like, it had almost grown in my mind as this, like, terrible, like, underwhelming, just kind of lifeless, soulless Superman movie. 
And I sat down, I watched it this morning and I have to say, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it this morning. And it has it. Look, it's not, I don't think it's a great movie. He's playing to the crowd, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's a great movie. I think there's we got one. there's a lot of flaws. There's a lot of things I have serious issues with. Um, but overall, I enjoyed watching it this morning. And whether it's kind of 10 years of watching Snyder, Superman on the big screen and Justice League and stuff that I was just so happy to see some kind of normal classic Superman back but I have to say uh, my fondness for it has has grown exponentially over the last uh, 16 years so I, I'm looking forward to talking about it so we'll yeah get... <laughs> I mean I, I mean I, I suppose I, I would echo that in a sense in that I think you, you touched on something very important there is that this movie kind of no matter what opinion you have of it mm. it kind of grows and festers in your head to being something more than it actually is yeah when when you actually sit down and watch it you realize it's neither of those two things it kind of sits in the middle yeah like every time i watched it as a kid i thought oh you know i'd, I'd be sitting there watching it going okay this is only okay but then later on i'd act like it was great yeah and then for years since then i've been kind of slowly realizing well actually maybe it's not that great but then when you actually sit and watch it you're kind of like well i'm enjoying this yeah you know it's a it, and and as you're you both said, wrong, great, perfect Superman film. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, look, we'll get into we'll get into some of the facts before uh, before we dive Let's into it. it. Um, so, Superman Returns was released on June twenty first, two thousand and six. It was directed by Brian Singer and written by Michael Doherty and Dan Harris. As far as I can remember, guys, those those two writers were very young at the time, weren't they? weren't they? Weren't they like their early twenties, or am I imagining that? I, I think they were. Uh, yes, they they were very young. The cameo in the movie for a second too yeah. at the museum. Yeah, I was yeah. Going to say that, um, and they they look like children kids in yes. that scene. They look like babies. They look like the type of people that me and Alan met at Dublin Comic Con <laughs> the last two days. And yeah, because I remember when I seen them on interviews at the time in special features, and I was like, oh my god, what am I doing with my life? These guys are already out there writing Superman movies, and I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm just wasting away. And the music was by uh, by John Ottman. The runtime incredible. Uh, I would have to say, and yeah, John Ottman, and we'll get into that as we go on. I think he did an amazing job, to be oh. fair. Uh, I will get into John Ottman before this this episode is done. Make no mistake. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the the runtime, 154 minutes, arguably too long, guys. I don't very know if long you agree with me feel not. every single one of those minutes, it's, Alan. It's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a very long movie, and there are points, and this is something that I, I, I remember from a lot of my other times watching it, is that there are points where I'm like, this movie's nearly over. And then you pause it and there's 45 minutes left and you're, you're <laughs> and you still got to shoot the kryptonite rocket and yeah the island island. Exactly. Yep. Uh, the budget was 223 million dollars the profit was uh 30 uh 391. so now an important let's talk about that budget though yeah, yeah okay correct, go ahead Matt, take it away uh, uh, the the problem with that budget too is it it didn't necessarily producing this movie didn't necessarily cost that but they rolled all of the development costs for it at least the previous, at least Superman Flyby, which was the JJ script. McG no, I, movie. I, I think Superman Lives was was okay. Then, tied then into they this just well. then part of thirty of that is um, Tim Burton's pay or play deal that he got paid thirty million dollars to develop a movie that didn't happen that year. So like it's 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 skewed, and they had that against it. So when people were like, "Who well, didn't make money?" I'm like, the the movie itself did. Like it was it was it had you know this this burden on its back basically. And it's important to say this actually made more money at the box office than Batman Begins did, which everybody yes. heralds as this huge hit. And whereas this made more money, it's just that because of all the Superman lives, the Superman flyby, the failed development hell Superman movies from the nineties, this had to carry the burden of all of those. Right. And then be this huge smash hit. And because it wasn't, everybody blames it for you know you know, 
traditional Superman doesn't work at the box office or whatever. You know, when it, it why why didn't executives and, and and people like that at the time take that into account? Because I, I read interviews kind of 2007, 2008, 2019. It didn't perform as well as they had hoped. But everybody's singing the praises of Batman Begins. So if it, in fact, made more money, would it not have been the case that executives would have gone, well, look, we didn't get make as much as we would have liked, but there were unforeseen costs and the fact that we rolled in all the other projects into this. And we're all set up. So let's just ju- roll right into a second one yeah. you know, that everybody wants to do. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. I remember the reception being more, you know, critically more lukewarm than Batman Begins. But there were people yeah. like me of critics that were yeah. just like, this is a fucking art film. Like, this is incredible. You know, like, yeah. so it, it's not like it was just like, it wasn't cats, you know, yeah. like it wasn't no. just completely panned um, it, it got, and, and it everyone 70... wanted to forget about it. It had its fans from the get. Yeah. It, it got 76 or 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, which right. is like not bad. Find me like, a Zack Snyder of... movie that has that, you know, like, yeah, like Man of Steel got like 50 or something like arguably yeah. 40 too much. But and I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if, if you guys feel differently, but. Like, I remember, like I said earlier, I was in the police academy. I, I'm just going to call it the police academy because most people don't know what the Garda College is. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I remember sitting in the rec room and they had a big TV on the wall and uh, the the trailer was on. And I was like, oh, my God, it's the new Superman trailer. Everybody shut up. And there was okay. like 200 people in there and nobody gave a shit. And that's fair enough. But even going to see it after I left, I didn't notice really any kind of chatter about it. There was nobody kind of saying, oh, you have to go see the new Superman movie. I was like, does anybody else know that there's a Superman movie in the cinema right now that nobody's talking about? Like guys, people my age that I knew and that I hung out with and stuff that I thought would be into this. There seemed to be a very lukewarm reaction from audiences in general, I thought. I, I had that same feeling over here too, where like it was doing all the things a DC movie does where like, you know, yeah. he's on the, he's on chips bags and you know, yeah, whatever yeah. diet, Dr. Pepper or whatever the fuck. And the toys are everywhere, but, but no one's talking about it. No one. Um, I didn't have that thing where like people are like, wow, so Superman, like that was a pretty good movie or whatever, which t- totally happened after Batman begins. And then was just like compounded after dark Knight, you know, yeah. where suddenly everyone's uh, uh, really like, interested in batman year one you're like but you know no you're not yeah. you know like stop <laughs> i i completely agree i i think the one of the one of the many fatal flaws of this movie um because there, there is more than one but i think they marketed it to be like a star wars type thing where they kind of went you know superman right here he is again mm. and they, they sort of did that legacy marketing thing where they assumed that people knew those old movies like the back of their hand, the way people know Star Wars, the old Star Wars, like the yeah. back of their hand. And they kind of thought, oh, well, people will surely flock to see Superman again, right? When in fact, a lot of people actually aren't as familiar with the Donner movies as, as we might be. Like, not everyone is as much of a fan of Superman the movie as Brian Singer or Rob O'Connor or Alan Burke is. Yeah. You know, and, and they assume, this movie assumes that you know everything about the Fortress of Solitude. When that isn't necessarily the case, it's not Star Wars. Like Star Wars was a cultural leviathan that changed cinema forever. Superman the movie was a really popular movie from the seventies. They're not the same thing, I would argue. Right. Um, I I totally feel that. And as someone, this is sacrilegious person on this podcast that that thinks this is the best Superman movie of all time and doesn't have that understands where they sit historically and understands what they are. And Christopher Reeve is is magic but like doesn't have that personal connection to yeah. the reef movies that you guys do 
so this like that whole side of it was interesting to me and i was like looking forward to seeing how they kind of did like the rolling timeline of it and blah 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 um but but really like that side of the marketing wasn't that interesting to me it was it was the idea of like this is this character that i'm love i've never seen two versions yeah. of this character myself that i love and it's smallville yeah. and lois and clark and i want to see what they do here and it, it, you're talking about like you know people have to they banked on people knowing those superman movies um like the back of their hand and they, they did a little bit but they also they pull punches in this movie where they don't get into the specifics of what happened before but like yeah. i showed this to my fiance a couple years ago and all of her questions were totally valid and i'm like Eh, well, it kind of, you know, like that was always yeah. my, well, don't even worry about it. My answer to, to everything. Like, so Lex has been in the fortress before. Yes. But, you know, like because it is, it, we're it's, not sure how much of that counts. Yeah, like, right. it's, it's not really clear and it's not really explained from the get go where we are. I don't think I like I know that the, 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 the running kind of line at the time was one and two exist, three and four are gone. This is post Superman two. Right. But there's a lot of inconsistencies there between the two and the continuity. And Fatal we'll, flaw number two, Alan. <laughs> and we'll go. We'll get into it as we go on. I'm I'm interested to know, Spiritual Matt. Spiritual sequel, you know, like very I, loose. Nope. Canon. Very loose. Yeah. Nope. And I, I'm interested to know, Matt, though. Like, and we'll, again, we'll get into it as we get into the plot of it and stuff. But like coming from Lois and Clark, which you absolutely adored. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about like the Lois and Clark relationship in in this movie? Just like in in comparison to that. I, the scenes that that work for me in this movie work so well and it's it's I think you know looking back on it, I didn't have I had this complaint at the time but looking back on it I think a big flaw in this movie was just like if you're if it's returns if you're picking up in the middle of this story essentially yeah then let her know you know like I, it, it, you're not really being that faithful with continuity to begin with so come back to a world where she knows who Clark Kent is you know like that, that Superman is Clark Kent. Um, so like that still bothers me, but the, this movie, I think arguably is the most interested of any of them in the lowest relationship. And it is, it's purely a relationship with Superman here, Yeah. but um, his, his kind of longing for her uh, that they hit on as, as Clark a few times. And then the, like the, can you read my mind sequence where he, he takes her up flying again um, when she kind of saves him in the storm later and he saves her, you know, all that. Like, I think that stuff works so damn well. Um, I, I get choked up thinking about it. I get choked up thinking of, like, basically the crowd parting at the hospital for Lois Lane to go in and see Superman. I love like, that. Like, I love that, that, too, that yeah. There's kind of a tacit acknowledgement of, like, she's important to this story yeah. just from just from the people of metropolis you know yeah. um so i i really enjoy that part of it um I, I just i you know if i had had my druthers she would have known and they would have been able to kind of get into the real sticky situation of that yeah. um but what they did here i thought was beautiful i i would actually echo all of that i i, I completely agree watching it today uh, every time there was a daily planet sequence where it was like clark and lois and jimmy and and richard white and everything mm-hmm. i was like Oh wow! This this is the movie I want to watch. Yeah. Totally. Like, can can this be the whole movie? Yep. Like, and then we'd skip back to some boring, you know, plot driven scene of like there's some long tracking shot of Lex Luthor throwing <laughs> Kevin Spacey with the, trains and yeah, you know, yeah. like all that stuff. You know, I'm just I could take or leave, but all the Daily Planet stuff where it's Clark and Brandon Routh, like 
every time I watch this, I actually forget how good he really is as Clark Kent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he is the most, possibly the most convincing ever Clark Kent, where you're like, oh, yeah, no one would ever realize that that guy's Superman. Yeah, yeah. And so- you know, in, in the Christopher Reeve movies, it's kind of a cartoon. And in the Dean Cain show, obviously, it doesn't make any sense. There's no real but difference. But here you're kind of like... Oh yeah, like this goofy, weird idiot. Like no one would ever think he's yeah, because the portrayal isn't isn't exactly like uh, Reeves' portrayal, and that no. he, he's not this like you said, he's not this cartoonish uh, kind of goofball. He's just this kind of insecure, geeky guy who doesn't sweetheart. Like yeah. he's just the sweetest guy. And, and that's a great point, Rob. We'll get into the cast now, but like that that's a great point, Rob. That it's it's he probably is the most realistic version of the Clark Kent disguise. Um, yeah, that's been put to screen. Now I love what Christopher Reeve did. I love that version of Clark, but you actually feel like he's he he doesn't exist. That Clark isn't real. Whereas you kind of feel like this Clark is real. Like even a little private moments, like there's that little scene where he goes into the closet to put in his suitcase, which we never really know is that his suit in there or what's in there. I think it was a scene. Yeah, we never come back to that. Yeah, no, of a, of a point I want to and make about that. But he on. goes in, he gets a little start from you know he sees a cardboard cut out of Perry and he gets a little fright like, and you you know that's genuinely like he's not doing that for anybody. There's nobody there, you know, little <laughs> things like that. Um, so yeah, Brandon Routh, Clark Kent, Superman, Kate Bosworth, Lois Lane. Now I think that Kate Bosworth is a huge issue with the movie. I think she was terribly miscast. Uh, I think she was too young. I think her performance is really wooden throughout. I I just don't don't think she fits in it at all. Um, I know she was recommended by Kevin Spacey to Brian Singer. He had worked with her on uh, another movie uh, the year before, two years before, where she played Sandra Dean. Beyond the Sea, I believe. Beyond yeah. the Sea. And, Did that uh, come out before this? Yeah, it came out in 2004, 2005, I think. Okay. Um. What do you guys think about Kate, Kate Bosworth's Lois Lane? Matt, do you want to take it first? I I like her very much. Um, I I think she was cast mostly for aesthetics because she looks like she's straight out of of, of like a you know Siegel and Schuster um, Superman story from thirties and forties. Like she she just so fits that when she's especially like later on she's in the evening dress and I'm just like well, that's that's every woman they ever drew in those those yeah. early action comics, yeah. you know. Um, She's she's very young in this movie, um, but I think she plays an adult convincingly to me. There is one scene where I'm like, she's a little, it, it almost feels like it's early in production. It's um, mm. uh, her in the office talking to Perry. And I'm like, there's something there's something off yep. here. Um, throughout the rest of it, though, I, I think she's really good. I like what they do with her. I think I think she convincingly plays a mom in this movie very well like there, there's yeah. this sweetness that she has with the kid even when um, she's bringing him on dangerous investigative even, missions even that and even just like you know it's in the script obviously but like at home we're doing chinese again because we all want that more than macrobiotic shakes or whatnot you know like there's, there's yeah. just such a cuteness uh, to her with that um and i just like personally i just had a huge crush on her in this movie i think she's beautiful <laughs> um so that that's a big part of it too what about you, Rob? I, 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 I'm kind of in the middle of both of you guys. I, I think she is underrated. She is not a bad actress by any stretch of the imagination. And she definitely does. Uh, she makes certain interesting decisions in this film. So, like, you know, we can't take that away from her. I absolutely agree. She is miscast. She is too young. And she doesn't, I, I, and it is a problem I have with Brandon Routh in the movie as well. Yeah, he does look the, a lot younger. The, the material that is presented to these actors is such that it it asks them to carry kind of a weight and a gravita and kind of an experience 
like in their performance and that they by nature they just don't have it because they're too young she looked she is 22 years of age and she's supposed to be this mother with a pulitzer prize and you're like nope sorry nope that's not the case and it's the same with brandon routh he he is supposed to be this elder statesman superman you're like this looks like superman year one like he should be in a superman birthright movie yeah you know and i think brandon routh is magnificent i think he's one of the best superman actors we've ever had but he is definitely too young in this movie and i think it's the same is true of kate bosworth i think she gets a lot of flack people level a lot of the problems with this movie at her and i don't think that's entirely warranted i just think she was at the wrong stage in her I, career i just always i always just got the impression that she seems disinterested in the part when i'm watching the film mm, and I, maybe i'm being maybe i'm being really unfair um but i just always get the impression that she's kind of tuned out and she's kind of delivering the lines and you're right matt i i, I agree with you when it comes to the, the stuff with jason that you you feel that kind of uh, parental bond and you know that that maternal thing, but I always just get the impression that she's just saying the lines and kind of coasting through it. And maybe I'm maybe I'm completely uh, for me that I I always read that as 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 guarded from her. Like she's she's hurt, yeah. she's wounded, but she's Lois Lane, so she's just like put up the wall for a lot of this movie. And later on, when it when it falls and like you know shit's happening, then I I think that all goes away, and she's very like raw and there in those moments so it, yeah i always just read that as a lois lane movie I, I i think it's so interesting i think a lot of it too and i i don't mean to put thoughts into other fans heads with this or whatever but like i wonder if it's because she has she has yeah. a baby face right like she looks she's a very young looking person she was one of those people that yeah. just like looked perpetually 25 for like 10 years you know um because she's she's three or four years younger than terry hatcher was at the start of Lois yeah. and Clark here. That's true. So it's just like, you know, like there's, there's not, I don't know. Like at, at 22, I would not have been able to convincingly play an adult nearly as well as she does in this movie. You I, know, like it, I, I wonder if there's part of that there. The, the only thing I'm, I, I think you mentioned that there's a scene in the Daily Planet when she's talking to Perry, and it seems a little bit off. If if we're talking about the same scene, there's a scene where Perry's like, "Oh, Lois, I need you to do this." I'm, I'm trying not to do Lane Smith. I'm trying to do Frank. Just Frank do Lane Smith it, and everybody knows what you're doing. It's Perry. Lois, ah. Yeah, it's a very reserved Perry. Ah, Jimmy. Uh, no, uh, Frank Langella calls her into the office and is like, Lois, I need you to do the Superman story. And she goes, but chief, I don't want to. <laughs> and it's like something out of Say by the Bell. She just looks like a teenager. And I'm like, ooh, this is not a Pulitzer Prize winner. <laughs> For me, it's but, the other scene. It's when she hands him the Superman Returns story. And she's oh, the, like, yes. it just feels weird getting getting a Pulitzer Prize for a, a you know an article that says the world doesn't need Superman. But clearly, according to this paper, they do. Yeah, you know? and there's there's something about that that's never and, quite hit for me. All the emotional stuff, the totally. But the logistics of it, I can completely yeah, understand. Yeah, you want to have three or four Superman movies. They're going to take mm -hmm. two or three years to get them out. You cast a couple who are 22, 23. You want these people to stay hot. That's yeah. a big. That's very important. We all do. Fatal flaw number three. Um, <laughs> and I, so, I, I'm not, I don't want to turn around and say that like Margot Kidder, Kidder uh, Mar Margot Kidder is some kind of, you know, on a pedestal or anything. Cause I'm not a big fan of Margot Kidder's performance uh, in those movies. I am. Um, I know, I know you love them. I know you love her in, a, in them, Rob, but I, I just never, I never really understood why the Christopher Reeve Superman was madly in love with Margot Kidder's Lois Lane. <laughs> I can completely see why Tom Welling is in love with Erica Durance. I can completely see why um, Dean Cain is in love with Terry Hatcher. And it's not just because of their, you know, aesthetic um 
beauties or whatever but like personality wise and character wise I never really got that from Margot but maybe again maybe I'm just harsh on Margot as well um, so yes you are um, <laughs> but I, I, I would say that the, the third fatal flaw I've, I've mentioned two fatal flaws I think the third fatal flaw is this is an extremely interesting uh, if flawed but an extremely interesting kind of character study one off uh you know, study of the Superman and Lois Lane characters. And I think mm-hmm. as a movie, and, and we should watch it as that, as a movie directed by a director who had a vision, that is an extremely interesting thing to look at. As the torchbearer of the Superman franchise designed to create a series of films that will last a generation, this film is disastrous. It's absolutely disastrous. Like as as a one-off, you know, character study, it's a three, maybe a three and a half star movie. As a Superman franchise reboot designed to, you know, get audiences to pile into the cinema and watch four Superman movies, this is an absolutely disastrous film and I don't know how it got made. Like, where do you take a franchise from here? I completely agree with you. Yeah, okay. I love this movie, (laughs) but like any version of this sequel that they had talked about over the years, I was like, I can't wait. That sounds great. I don't think anyone else wants to see yeah. it. You know, <laughs> like truly. Um, no, I'm I'm totally with you. It is it is, it yeah, yeah. And the, the, it, it you're you're totally right. Where it does not do the like reinvention thing that that Batman Begins does, or you know, not to keep going back to that, but it was obviously kind of yeah, the it was the, the template before, at the time. Yeah. It happened a year yeah. before, yeah. And sorry, look, I feel like we're putting Matt on the, the stand here and me and Alan are well, just I, talking no, like, hey, prosecutors. Way, I think I'm trying to be the buffer a little bit because maybe and, and, it's not coming across. <laughs> objection. It will, it will. Guys, nobody with a Lois and Clark podcast should think that their opinion <laughs> matters at all. Like, it's no, all good. To be honest, I, I, I love the fact that you love it, Matt. I really yeah, do. Me and, too. I, and I have to say that watching it, like I said, watching it this morning, I, I really appreciate it. And as we go through it a lot, like the stuff that I really, really love about it, we'll talk about it and we'll, we'll get to and, yeah. and Rob mm. I'm sure you have stuff like I, I can't wait and, and sorry yeah I should say there are things I absolutely adore about this film yeah. and I can't wait to talk about some them. of my favourite Superman scenes of all time are in this film I was, and, I was and I can't, I that one wait. sequence yeah. in this movie and I can't wait like, to talk about Christ. the person yep. the name that shall not be named uh, how do we think of uh, Kevin Spacey as Lex <laughs> which one yeah, <laughs> yeah well, the guy least, in yeah, the yeah. film yeah um, I said this on Zach's podcast forever ago, but it's it's um, I hate Kevin Spacey for always being my favorite thing in a movie that he's in. <laughs> he doesn't make he's, it awkward, was, right? <laughs> he was a very good. He was a very talented. I'm talking about him like he's dead, but just his career died. Um, he's a very talented actor. I, I like what he does a lot here. I think he does the thing I like about villains, um, movie villains in yeah. particular, where it's just like. They are fun as hell to watch. And when they want to, they can turn on a dime and be scary. Like yeah. I always think of, um, you know, people would say like Darth Vader is the greatest movie villain of all time. For me, it's Captain Barbosa from the first Pirates movie where it's just like he is a bastard and you love him. Like you were sad when he dies at the end, you know, yeah. like obviously it had to happen. And like this, that is totally what this Lex is for me, where I'm just like, he's going to get off that island in that sequel that no one else will watch but me. And he's going to figure out something else and he'll just keep going. You know, like I, I like him a lot in this. Fuck Kevin Spacey, just to be clear. What about you, Rob? 
Um, yeah, I, I will reiterate fuck Kevin Spacey. And I will also say I do like him a lot in this. I think that a livelier movie like the old Superman movies, I, mm-hmm. I think something with more of a fresher kind of mo- more of a frenetic pace yeah. might have served him better. I think that some of the comedy beats that he has in this movie don't entirely land because just the overall tone of the movie is so dour that when he makes a joke, you're kind of like, oh, we're, are we supposed to laugh now? You know, that kind of way. And I obviously he's doing the Gene Hackman Lex, which I'm always a fan of. And I think he does it quite well. But to Matt's point, I think the darker moments land better than the kind of comedic moments. And uh, I think this, the result of that is that a lot of people learned the wrong lessons about Lex Luthor uh, in movies. And they thought, oh, Lex Luthor doesn't work in movies because, oh. whereas, you know, it's it's not Lex Luthor's fault. It's the movie's fault. But overall, I, I have no major objection with Kevin Spacey in this. Just- well. Real quick. I have a major objection with Kevin Spacey, but not his role in this movie. <laughs> Real quick, Alan, I, I think that that's something that I like about this too. There's a, there's a dryness to his humor in this that is less, I, like I, I like Gene Hackman's Lex mm-hmm. a lot, but it's a, it's a totally different taste from this. And there, yeah. there's a dryness to this that I think is him um, reacting to the movie, to the tone that he's in. You know, he, he knows yeah. he can't go that big all the time. So he's going to, underplay this these comedy bits and not not go for that back of the house laugh but just like if you're paying attention yeah. what he's saying is very funny you know yeah just uh, a quick quick uh, thing on, to point out as well by the way sorry sorry to interrupt Alan. Sorry, um, kevin spacey was cast as lex luther in superman lives yeah well i think like he's so, like after seven he was like everybody wanted him yeah, as, as he was like spacey kevin spacey is a huge 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 superman fan um, he's a huge fan. Really? Absolutely loves Superman. He was a huge fan of the George of uh, the George Reeves show. He narrated that um, special, you know, Superman through the oh Ages my God, documentary right. that came out during the year of Superman. If you watch, um, he he played around the same time, maybe two years after this, three years after this, he played a villain in one of the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies. I think was it the Tim Allen really? Santa Claus movies? No, it was the Santa Claus movie with Vince Vaughn. I think. One of those. Okay, Fred Claus. Fred Claus. Really? I never saw that. I know the Tim Allen movies yeah. very well. I don't know so Fred Claus. So he was in Fred Claus. He played a villain in Fred Claus. I'm almost sure that was what it was. And his whole uh, villain, the, the character that he played, his whole um, origin story was that he asked Santa Claus for a Superman action figure for Christmas. He didn't get it and he turned evil. And there's this whole thing where he wears a Superman t-shirt under his shirt and like he's 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 a huge Superman fan. And what I really I love him in this film. And I think that he brings a real sinister angle to the to the Hackman Luthor. Like he's yeah. he's, he's obviously meant to be like a spiritual continuation of that. Mm-hmm. But like like you said, you did that thing earlier on, Rob, when you when he when he goes, when he turns on a dime and he's there and he's like, you know, say that thing, say, say that thing. And he goes, no, no, not the thing. Say that. Say that other thing. I know it's on the tip of your tongue. Say it. And then he, he screams no in her face. And you can see her reaction. She is terrified. Jason is terrified. And you can see he's this guy. He's he's like this guy who has this outer persona. And then he's a demon when he goes home. He's a demon, you know, within his own walls. Mm-hmm. And and that yeah. scene later on, like one of the most powerful scenes, I think, in any Superman film is the scene where Superman is, is being beaten oh. on on the on the we'll call it New Krypton Island. Mm-hmm. And like there's a scene where 
he is being dragged by the face across the ground screaming I'm still Superman and they're they're kicking him and they're beating him and uh, Lex Luthor comes up stabs him with a shard that he's been saving for half the movie shivs him in the back twists it and breaks it and then looks at him and goes now fly and he falls off a cliff and it is chilling I thought I I, I really think he did and it must have been hard for him to do because like Lex Luthor in the comics and the books and the and live action had moved on significantly from the Gene Hackman version and that that pre-crisis version. But he kind of had to play both sides. You know, he had to kind of go back to that, which couldn't have been easy, I don't think. See, I made the point in our last episode that I, I think as much as fans might not like to say it, I think the Gene Hackman version of Lex actually paved the kind of runway for the modern Lex, the, the yeah. businessman, capitalist, Lex Corp Lex. And I think Kevin Spacey is definitely playing a version of that. Uh, I would say, to your point, I think that scene is very powerful. And I remember like reacting, having a huge emotional reaction to it in the cinema. The only issue I would have with it, though, is as an actor, I wonder if Kevin Spacey kind of arrived on the set and went, OK, I'm all ready for this scene. The only problem is it doesn't make any sense. So how do I play it? And in what way? Oh, in what way? Yeah. How does kryptonite work? Oh, <laughs> you mean? We, but, yeah. What well, do you I, mean? I, I, I open the I open the the floor to you both. How does kryptonite work? What does kryptonite do? Well, it's it's radiation. What, what it's the radiation. It's the radiation. Yeah, from it, it, that I think it's. Sick. Yeah, it's the it's the, you know, it the entire island is not made of it, but it is okay. it is running in the veins of of the island for lack of a better word no veins is a geological term i'll go with that um so it's it's that he's been there that he's had the exposure it's also like it i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like the christopher reeve uh kryptonite isn't like glowy and making sound effects that maybe everybody else hears but definitely we hear like it, it was it's a rock it's a green yeah. rock mm-hmm. and and here like that never yeah, that never bothered me here because you but, see it in the veins of like everything around him. But to uh, be fair, if, when he lands and it, it's he's been exposed there for a second okay. and, and Lex sees it and he takes that moment so, to be the sadistic fucker he is. So, look, I, I don't wanna, I, I completely agree. It is a great scene, right? Having Superman kicking around in the mud and having them fucking putting his face in the in the water and all that. That's all great. And that would have worked fine. The problem is a scene later, we see Superman lift this fucking island into space. Just doesn't make any sense. And it it just robs the whole thing. And okay, so I've written down, right? There are two ways of doing kryptonite. Matt, as a Lois and Clark aficionado, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Alan, same thing, right? There is two ways of doing green kryptonite. And this is true of Smallville as well, Zach, if you're listening. There is hangover headache kryptonite. (laughs) And there is reverse Viagra kryptonite, okay? So hangover headache kryptonite (laughs) is such, right? Hangover headache kryptonite is the kryptonite that gives you an awful hangover and an awful headache, but you can fight through it and do what you need to do regardless, okay? Okay. Reverse Viagra kryptonite is the kryptonite that robs you of your powers. You do not have your powers. They do not exist. You don't have them. If you've been exposed to reverse Viagra kryptonite, you're not lifting a building into space or or an island into space. So in this movie, it kind of does a bit of both. It's like he's exposed to reverse Viagra kryptonite to the point that he doesn't even know he's lost his powers until Lex Luthor starts beating the shit out of him. 
Okay, and then suddenly he's able to just pretend like it's hangover headache kryptonite and lift his island into space. But he superpowers, he supercharges with the sun. Now, right, I think yeah. I, th I think that scene needed to go further with the sun. I think he should have done like All-Star Superman or DC League of Super Pets, where I think he should have literally flown out to the sun and come to back like an luminous yellow, like yellow color, like absolutely supercharged. And you could see him supercharged as he was lifting it up. And that because there is an issue there, like it it, it does kind of make the whole kryptonite thing a bit redundant when he can yep. lift up an entire continent um, while this stuff is kind of coming down close to his face. And, you know, and you, you can make the, 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 the excuse later on that Lois kind of, you know, gives him the reason to live when she tells him about Jason and stuff. But, yeah, I, I think. I don't have any problem with that scene at all. The the whole beating and, and him being stabbed scene. I just think that when he flies up to the sun, it's not enough to just go up to the clouds and kind of soak yeah. in its rays. He he should have flown to the sun and you should have seen him flying back absolutely, you know, ready to kick ass, like glowing yeah. bright yellow, like your action figure you had last week, Rob. I, I think that's what they should have done. <laughs> My problem, I like, because I'm sure, you know, I, I keep winning these arguments with myself on this show. I'm sure there's someone listening going, oh, you're just coming to it as a fan and you don't, you know too much about whatever. That, that That's not my problem. My problem is Kryptonite, as it is introduced in this film, we are literally introduced to it as a thing that robs Superman of his powers. So well, how is he then able to the, overcome the that? The Kryptonite rules have always been like, you go to Lois and Clark and he, no, he's No, no, first no, but irrespective of any other version, this is what we are introduced in the script, the story of this film, as it is presented to us, the audience, who has never seen the film before. We see Superman lose his powers entirely to the point where Lex Luthor is able to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. How then see, is he able to lift But if you go back to Superman space? 78... It's he, nothing to do with any other version. But if you, if you, nothing yeah, but to do with it. it's okay. a spiritual successor. If you go back to Superman 78, they put the kryptonite on him. They throw him into the pool. Miss Tessmacher takes the kryptonite off him. He's completely depowered. Miss Tessmacher takes it off, throws it down a hole 20 feet away, and he can fly off and stop a nuclear missile. Because he's not exposed to kryptonite anymore. Yeah, but he's not exposed to kryptonite either. After, after the kryptonite, after Lois removes it in the plane, he still has a bit stuck in his chest. The doctors say it later on. He does. Yeah, you, he do, does you do see it. You do, yeah. And, and, and we see the kryptonite like protrude from the from the island. As soon as that appears, he shouldn't be able to fly anymore. See, Mass, my thing take. is I never thought of it as as like um uh, uh, uh like an instant power removal thing. Like I, I think the way they play it with Jason too, when when Lex is holding that like kind of cylinder you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. in the boat. And he's looking at Jason react to it like it's making them sick like that. That has always been kind of my take on it in this movie yeah. where it's like you, you, it's it's not like your powers are going away. It's like you are instantly nauseous and weak and and frail and like, you know, like all the COVID symptoms all at once, you know. Yeah. So it, it for me that that whole thing. You know, like that doesn't bother me that he can still fly after he's been exposed to it because it's it's about him pushing through it. And I think so much about what this movie is is um, is a story about belief. And, and for him, it's it's you know it, really for the audience, it's like it's not you will believe a man can fly. It was like you will believe a man can can do this. That that that, that yeah. somebody wants to save you this badly that he's gonna 
you know, take these bullets. And for he, you. he he thinks he's going to die. Like he when he says goodbye yeah, to and, that and plane, also, that's, like, that's goodbye. That was my whole thing with that too, where like we're here to watch these superpowered people get beaten down and then do the impossible anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what this movie does. And it fucking takes it out of him. You know, like he's he's on death's door. Um, essentially, when when he falls back down to to Earth, there and is in the hospital for uh, uh, however long. Um, so yeah, for me, it was always like I love that moment because it's just like yeah, the most painful, whatever symptoms you want to say in the world. It's, let's say radiation symptoms, even mm-hmm. like, all yeah. of that is happening to him as he's doing this. But there is mm. it's that or the world is over. And he's yeah. not going to let that. So just like story-wise for me, yeah. like that means so much more to me that that I, I, yeah. I don't know. That 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 whole like lift up my take, arm yeah. thing never really bothered me. And I, it goes see, down so below it too that it's farther yeah. away from him. Yeah, that's, that's the one geek see, thing I'll throw in that. I agree with everything Matt has just said. And that's, that's my problem is like if they just adjusted it slightly it would have worked. I get you. Cause you he's know? good. This movie is good at letting him use his superpowers smartly. Yes. And yeah. I, like, it's my favorite thing in the, all the shit that we watched together. You know, like I, I love yeah, yeah, that. No, yeah. Yeah. Um, even, even like when he rescues Lois and he's in the plane and it's not even a word, like he's just looking, he scans through her whole body. And I'm like, you yeah. should do that all the time. Like, that's just like a thing we should know that he's always doing to make sure yeah. that like, yeah, you fell a little bit, but you've got internal bleeding. So let me take, you know, whatever it is. And there, there's a bit where he's sorry to interrupt. Him, but there's a bit where he rescues the construction worker, and there's a lot of construction debris falling yes. down. Heat visions all that. Incredible. Out of if this was if this was Snyder, a bunch of people would have died. Sure. You know? yeah. yeah, he would have decapitated somebody. <laughs> um, I want to tangent. Oh, how can you blame Superman for not saving him? Oh, he's still learning. He's it, still was, it was the heat really. of the moment, guys. Um, I want to tangent off a little bit. I want to talk about um, Richard White and what you think of James Marsden and the entire Richard White thing. Now, I'll just start off. What I really like about this character is that it would have been very easy to turn him around and make him an asshole. It it would have been very easy to turn him around and make him some kind of, not that I think Lois would fall for a Brad Wilson type or anything like that, but just some kind of, you know, guy that she ran to after Superman, you know, a, a rebound guy that she kind of ended up with. And he's not a nice dude and he's not nice to Jason and he's, you know, just a general jackass. And they didn't do that at all. I mean, this guy, like, I'd marry this guy. Like, he's successful, (laughs) he's a good-looking guy, and he's basically Superman without his powers. You know, like, he goes in the plane, he he, he goes to save Lois and Jason, and she's like, you know, how'd you get here? And he's like, I flew. You know, he's... Amazing. He he would be Superman, I think, if he had the powers that, that, that Clark has. He's such a good, decent guy. And she even says it at one point, you know, when she kind of feels herself falling for, for Superman again. And she says it to him, you know, Richard is a really good man. And he is. And I just want to get your take on that. Um, Matt, let's start with you. No, I couldn't agree more. I, it, it it sets up the weirdest um, emotional triangle sequel in the world where like yeah. the only thing I can think of, like if the story progressed is like, it's him. really, it really kind of puts them to the test where there is nothing to complain about with Richard White. He's just not Superman too. You know, like yeah. that's, that's, that's the only thing I, I, yeah, I've got nothing else to add. I agree with everything you you said. I love the character. I think it's a, a really um, interesting choice. And like the issue is, if if she turned around in the sequel and said, "Sorry, Richard, I, I just don't love you. I love Superman," 
like you have to make the conclusion that Lois only loves Superman because of his powers, because they're very much the same guy. Like, you know, they're, right. they're just really good. Like he's a great he's a good reporter. He's you know, he's a great father. He's a great partner. He's a good guy. He's an heroic guy. You know, what is the what is the attraction to Superman if it's not just the fact that he's Superman? All the more reason, too, that it would have been interesting to see, um, if not in this movie, then in the sequel, what happens when she finds out that Clark is Superman, you know, because like almost there, it's like, okay, you left for five years and you've lied to my face for the past. Like, I'm staying with Richard, frankly, like, you know, like everything's fine with Richard. What do you think, Rob? I uh, I think I mentioned Fatal Flaw number two. Uh, yeah, so I agree with everything you guys have said. And I think that's why it's a fatal flaw in the film, is that Richard White is a glorious human being. There's He has no flaws. <laughs> and he, of course, is, is a far better suitor for Lois Lane. Of course he should be with her. He's a loving father. You know, he's supportive to her. When Superman is in trouble, he says, I'll drive. Like, this is a salt of the earth man. And none and of that dare like you. jealous ex shit too. Or just like your lowest lane, they'll let you in with the yeah. hospital and, thing. And, and remember, Amazing. remember, James Marsden had played Cyclops up until this point. That's yeah. what we knew him from. Mm-hmm. Wherein Cyclops was an absolute dickhead, and yeah. we wanted Wolverine to get with Jean Grey because that's that's how the movie was was designed, right? This movie makes you love Richard White, and you're like. Why would I ever want to watch a movie where this beautiful family is broken up by right. Superman? And that's what this movie asks you to want. You're like, oh, I, of, of, of course I want Lois Lane to run away with Superman. And the only way for that to happen is for Lois Lane to callously dismiss Richard White or for something to come out about Richard White that, oh, he's secretly an asshole. Oh, I was going to say, he, he has, becomes an asshole he, or he dies. I, I he would has some have, dealings I think with Intergang, or he becomes Metallo, <laughs> or any of these things. That pr- like I've read all this stuff on Superman homepage forums. People were like, "Oh, well, what if he becomes Metallo, or what if he's secretly Darkseid's fucking guy, or whatever?" Like, that's an <laughs> awful thing to want to happen to this beautiful man. And Richard that's why Gordon Godfrey White. Yeah. Even when he's this... jealous, he's he's nice about it. Like even when he's in the kitchen and he's asking her about the article she wrote, and you can see he's insecure. And yeah. he's just looking for some reassurance. Reassurance. He's still just such a nice guy. I cannot see how they would have gotten around it without killing him off. I, I don't see any off. other way. Now, to again kind of segue into back to Lois a little bit. Here's another big issue I have with the film. Okay, two things I want to say, and then we'll 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 open it up. First thing is, does she remember sleeping with Superman? Because she knows she has such an excellent question. She knows such she knows she has Lois Lane at the end of Superman Two does not remember sleeping with Superman. Yet she clearly knows, unless now this is the other take. She doesn't realize that it's Superman's kid until he pushes the piano. She never knew until that point. But I think that is very wishy washy. And the next thing is, if she does know that Superman is Jason's father, it's a really horrendous thing to let that child think that his father is Richard and allow Richard to think that Jason is his son. Hmm. Let's go. Matt? We're for breaking me, this film for Matt. <laughs> for me, that is, that is, I don't know. I, I never really judged her for that move because it's the craziest fucking situation to be in as, as a pregnant woman. Um, this is so the, like, you got to squint through this continuity yeah. problem for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where like them on the top of the Daily Planet when when he's blowing at her cigarettes and they first meet up, those are people that fucked 
and one of them left. You know, like yeah. that is yeah. what's happening there. So for me, it was a like, you know, does it connect to Superman 2? Well, uh, and that's why, you know, like that's a okay. big part of it where like for me, yes, they had Lois Lane had a relationship with Superman and then he up and left. And and we can get into the whole cut stuff of the script of why he up and left. That's all I am, blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, for me, for me, she remembers and she knows and she was caught in a very sticky situation. And to protect her son from government, blah, 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 and whatever, like she went along with those. Rob? Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I think my approach at the time, even in 2006, watching this movie was Superman the movie it's definitely canon because that they were they refer specifically to the article Lois wrote. I spent the night with Superman. They kind of imply that Lex did the whole California thing, so that's all fine. There's absolutely no way in heaven or hell that you can reconcile Superman two with this movie. It just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, and either version, any version of Superman two, there's no way you can connect this movie to that. So every time someone says, "Oh, it's canon with Superman two," <laughs> no, no, it's not. So first of all, you know, th this is a little bit of a stretch, but if General Zod invaded Earth, we would have heard about it in this movie. Yeah. So we don't hear about that. So that's one thing. You know, you can say that's a stretch. We don't hear about General Zod in Superman 3 or 4 either. So, you know. More importantly, Alan, as you so perfectly put it, Lois Lane, right, has this son, right? Throughout this movie, it's implied that she has had some kind of relation with Superman. But she doesn't know he's Clark Kent. She specifically doesn't know he's Clark Kent. So does she remember having sex with Superman, but not knowing that he's Clark Kent and not doing any of the magic kiss stuff? I think it's just, I think the problem is, is that the writing of it is just too murky. I think it's just too, they were too unclear with the whole, I think they were just too unclear with the, the parameters of what the film was. Is it yeah. a direct sequel to one? Is it a direct sequel to two? Uh, it's a bit of both. It's kind of whatever you want it to be. Does she remember? Does she not remember? Uh, she, You know, it's whatever you take away from it. Like you said, Matt, it's it's squinting through the eyes and the haziness of it to try and, and see what it is. I really think, like... But but if you address these specific things, then you invite people to, in, to connect the dots. You know that kind of way? I like think they would have... Yeah. I, I think they just would have been better if they had just been clear and said, look, this is just a direct sequel to Superman 1. There's stuff that happened between 1 and Superman Returns that we haven't seen. I I, I don't, I, I think, like, and it is, like, because the other question I was going to ask was to kind of get away from the whole lowest line to Richard and, and obviously misleading Jason because he, he draws the picture of Superman and dad and stuff and you can he knows that Jason's his father. Mm -hmm. But the other the other point I was I was about to make was is there a chance that Jason knows, or sorry, that Richard knows that Jason is Superman's child and it's just not explicitly said? Is it a case that Lois was, was seeing Richard after Superman had left and was like, just so you know, I'm having Superman's child or my child is Superman's child. And Richard was like, it's OK. It doesn't matter. I'll step in and we'll never speak about it again. I, I, I wish I could get on board with that because I like that as an idea. And again, just like claps for richard white in that version yeah. what a fucking guy because <laughs> it's the kind of thing that richard white would do i know he's because we're all in love with richard white <laughs> i understand um i think the 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 thing that goes against that is the um the conversation about i spent the night with superman where it it for, feels to me that like he knows her past yeah you know obviously 
but they've never really talked about it you know yeah. so like for me that's the that's the one continuity thing within the movie that i'm like i don't think he could know yeah yeah and yeah and see this is the problem this is the kind of problem that i have with it is that there's just these kind of ambiguities throughout mm-hmm. the entire thing that you have to kind of interpret for yourself or you have to kind of settle in your own mind and i don't like i don't like films where you have to kind of make it work in your own mind in order yep. for it to work on screen do you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um just in terms of the the opening and stuff because i just want to get back to the where we spoke about what it was like going and seeing it and everything for the first time I have a really strong memory of being so excited to sit down and see the John Williams team and wonder, oh, my oh. God, are they going to do the credits and space stuff? And then I remember sitting there and I was like, oh, it's not really what I thought it was going to be. And I said it before, I think on an episode that I kind of got like third rock from the sun vibes from the credits. <laughs> and I have to say, though, I think, though, looking back, that that was just me building it up in my own mind, because when I watched it today, I was like, this is fucking great. It's great. It's the credits. It's what you wanted. Uh, and then you, you go past the credits and I don't know what they were t- thinking. Mm-hmm. I, I, every, listening to the podcast, I have to say that I'm, I'm constantly hearing that I don't really say T and H. So I'm, I'm always kind of trying to correct myself. Um, but uh, I don't know what they were thinking with the text opening. I don't understand why they didn't go back to the yeah. theater, the, the curtains opening the comic book and the little boy explaining what had happened with maybe art, comic book art showing us Superman saying goodbye to the world and leaving. Like, I think just putting up text was just so bland and lifeless. Do you want do you want to hear how I would uh, open this movie, Alan? I would love to hear it, please. We open on a chat show like an LNN chat show type thing and we hear that Superman has been gone for five years or deep pandering by the way to me but that's fine keep going (laughs) Lois Lane is a contributor on the chat show and she goes well you know as you might have read in my article the world doesn't need Superman we never needed Superman to begin with and you explain it that way like a Greek chorus like you actually open it up that way and then we see and I'm sorry to bring up Joss Whedon's version of Justice League. We see the world without Superman having existed for five years. Show, don't tell. Yeah. This movie insists on telling and not showing on so many occasions. But even when it tells. I like love that. that by the way. It's, yeah. But even when it tells, it's just the way that I don't mind being told as long as there's something to it. It's just this boring text. I just I really even today when I saw it, I was like, oh, God, it's just it's not even cinematic. It, there's nothing to it. It is also vague as shit. There were things cut from the script that that would have filled yeah. it in later on. And then to go from like, you know, Krypton exploded, blah, blah, blah. He left and went back. And now we're just going to watch Krypton explode again with no context. So yeah. like, we know that there were problems with the beginning of this movie that it kind of got yeah. hatched together. And this is this is an editorial fix, let's say. Um, but yeah, that that, that is, at, you know. Well, At that Matt, point, you're just like watching nice footage of Krypton explode. For a do second. you think we 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 are all huge fans of Lois and Clark here, and we see what happens when when Clark Kent when Superman leaves the Earth to travel to a distant galaxy to do some other shit? We've mm-hmm. seen that in season three of Lois and Clark. Do you think Superman would just literally fly away someday, never say anything to anybody, and completely disappear? In the script, if I remember correctly, it was he didn't know he was going to be gone that long. It was it was a trick. Lex had set up astrologists to to tell him to go out there. 
and oh. and basically it took too long or he got trapped in a whatever a ship broke whatever the hell it was i forget the specifics of it but like it was it was never meant to take that long and and it was not something that so so like he went quickly which arguably you should probably say goodbye to the woman that you just slept with but yeah. um if you if you like her you know um but uh yeah it, that is that is and again you saying that is admittedly a com- problem with the movie the fact that i just told you that and that it's not in the movie at all but the, the problem with that the problem with that version of it though matt is that reduces the, the dramatic tension of superman having to leave at all because if he thinks that he's only leaving for a short period then he doesn't need to say goodbye to lois like the ah, movie that's true is too. sure the, yeah but a short a short is, while is probably not like two weeks it's probably still going to be months would you not think i don't know what is your commute to krypton like you guys because sometimes like it really depends on the day for me yeah. um see we're an island nation alan we're used to doing a lot of travel but yeah. like, I, your import fees from krypton must be oh my god they're killer sorry uh, yeah ever since brexit baby so okay so tell me something else um i completely lost my train of thought <laughs> <laughs> i had a question lined up and i've completely forgotten what it was That's okay. oh yeah you've got the setup no on mic already lex yeah. luther's plot i think so, like that was your so tell me something why do you think we've never gotten to see the restored version with the deleted scenes like the, the deleted scenes have been filmed i've seen them on the extras and stuff why have we not gotten the release like i was expecting it a year later maybe two years later <laughs> to get like a director's cut here's all the krypton stuff from the start it's three and a half hours long but nobody cares because you're only going to buy this if you're a huge fan of it why have we never gotten that i i because not enough people care <laughs> I think I think it, it's it's simply the no, reason that's... we're not getting like good luck that's... to everybody going after the air cut and the Schumacher cut and whatever other cut, but like the, the, nobody is looking for the singer cut. Yeah, even if it, even yeah, exactly. Hey, you'd call it that, so no. <laughs> um, you know, like Zack Snyder Justice League aside, that was its own particular thing that was. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that always felt like, you know, just like, all right, shut up. We gave it to you. Shut up now. Um, Sorry, guys. But, like, you know, that's not that's not a typical deal. The the Donner cut was its own thing as well. Like, I just don't think there's there's really a market to justify the even if you've already shot everything, you know, five to ten million dollars that you're going to have to do to put it together and then however else to, to market the thing. Yeah, I, I've just always wanted to see it. I just thought it would always give kind of fill in that whole beginning section there where you can tell that stuff has been chopped, you know, cut I out. I highly recommend out. the screenplay, which they did publish and has a lot of that stuff intact still. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Check that out. Have you, have I'm, you sure, I'm sure those are available on, on, you know, for used on Amazon or eBay or something like that, but but worth your time. Uh, do you include, I, go on, Rob, yeah. I was just going to say, Alan, in your opinion, what, do those scenes add to the movie? I just know that they they may not have add anything because I, I I only barely remember them. But I just I want to see them. I know that they exist. Yeah. I just want to see no, the no, full. They, they are out there. Yeah, but they're not. You can't. You can see them as extras and stuff. They're not in the film. Okay. You can't sit down and watch a kind of a cut, a linear cut to see the whole what mm. the vision was was meant to be like. And it's just it's just always something that I was I just presumed mm. at the time because I had seen kind of clips and and stills and stuff. And none of that was in the film. I was like, all oh, right, okay, they'll release a, 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 a director's cut or something in a year's time. I'll get that. I can't wait to get that. 
and then just nothing ever came and then the film kind of yeah. died away and I never heard any chatter about it or any talk about it and I just think it'd be it's a shame that there's no kind of version like that I I I agree in a sense I I just I feel like it's like a nuclear man one thing from mm. Superman four where it's like <laughs> I actually understand why they cut that out like it it doesn't like it's it's visually impressive and it looks cool and those scenes are awesome they're on YouTube you can check them out and I think they they didn't come out on the initial DVD but they have come out on subsequent DVDs so you can watch all that footage but it, like like so many things in this movie it just feels long and drawn out and kind of yeah. boring and like. <laughs> You know, I wish this movie just, honestly, going back to what I said before, I wish this movie opened in Metropolis and did all the fun stuff that I like about this movie straight away, as opposed to having to wait, you know, 25 minutes for it. Yeah, like, yeah I, I really like that Eva idea Marie a lot. Saint, I, I love Eva Marie Saint. She's a wonderful actress. Yeah. Great Martha Kent. No place in this movie. But I, and that's true. But I have to say, some of my favorite scenes in the entire film are those are those kind of Small little scenes, small little scenes, even though they're a bit redundant, like seeing yeah. him waking up at 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was like the scene in Superman, the, the 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 movie where Martha wakes up and he's he's up on the hill. It was kind of that time of the day and he goes out and like I know there was more to it, but seeing him remember learning how to run and fly again, it adds nothing to the film as a whole. But like that, that memories, I think is the name of the is, of the piece. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and because I, right. I, I know because I listen to it all the time. It's one of my favorite parts of that entire score. I love it. I put it down as some of our episode music and stuff. And uh, I, I just think it's beautiful. And there's the scene where he's talking to her, you know, he's, he's flicking through the TV and he can see everything. The only I and I don't understand. I love the scene with his mother um, where he's flicking through the TV and he's talking. She she breaks down about your father him. alive. I never, yeah. yeah. Oh. You can see Glenn Ford on the mantelpiece. Yeah. yeah. But then there's no follow up scene of him like. I've been gone for five years. How is the world going to accept me back? How am I going to go back to my old life? What if Lois has moved on? Do I want to go back to being, you know, fake buffoon Clark, you know, the disguised Clark? Is that the life that I want? It just cuts straight from that to Clark's in the elevator walking into the Daily Planet. And I think there was an entire section there just lost. They actually did cut that kind of material from the movie Alan and it brings me back to I think we were talking about the shirt rip earlier on Mm. there's a whole (laughs) kind of like like kind of a subtle subplot in this movie where it's like Clark trying to decide do I actually want to become Superman again having left and now come back and there's the bit where he hears all the stuff about the the plane is about to crash. He sees the news footage. He runs out onto the when street. When he's drinking at like 10 a.m. with all the jimmies. Yeah. Yeah. Drinking ice cold Budweiser beer, uh, Matt, if you didn't mm-hmm. know this, by the way. Budweiser beer available from your local uh, liquor <laughs> the store. The beer of Superman. Yeah. So he runs out. Yeah. Henry Cavill also had a delicious mm-hmm. Budweiser beer in Man of Steel. Delicious Budweiser beer available from your local <laughs> liquor store, King of Beers. Don't be a James he Bond Heineken, man. No, get a Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He runs out on the street, does a shirt rip, and he's wearing a white T-shirt underneath. And he goes, oh, what the hell? And he goes back into the Daily Planet and decides to pick up the suitcase that has his Superman suit in it. So the whole thing is that he is making the decision, okay, I was grappling with this before now, but now I have decided. Because there's two two things that that answers. It's what the stories with that scene of him putting the suitcase in the the Mm -hmm. cupboard. And then it explains the still I've seen of him coming out of a closet, either coming, walking into a cupboard or coming, I don't want to say closet, walking out of a cupboard or walking into the cupboard um, with the with the door open. There's a still of him in his full Superman suit. It looks like he's kind of walking out and closing the door as everybody's watching the television or something. Mm. I remember seeing that and I was like, where was that in the film? So that answers that. 
there's also the like him him like with with shelves and stuff in front of i'm just picturing the shot where he's in the superman costume he's still got the glasses on too and that that would have been yeah. from that that sequence I, well. I feel like I, I should point out right now I watched the movie today for the first time in I want to say six years I think the last time I watched it was the year Justice League came out and I was in a big Superman mood and I rewatched this <laughs> and Man of Steel but watching it today and being completely honest I, I think the main message of this film is the question of you know you have to remember it came out in 2006 how do we regain our innocence in the wake of 9-11 and the ultimate answer at the end of the movie is we embrace the wisdom of a child and find meaning in the next generation. I, I think that is the message of the film. And that's all well and good. I just, I wonder if you can build like, and I, I think that's what Clark's character arc is in this. And I think that's what those little scenes of do I want to become Superman again after everything I left behind? I think that's what that was all about. I just wonder if they kind of, you know, stuck the landing with it, you know, like in a way. Matt, go on. Well, yeah, this kind of goes into to my whole thing where like um I, I like that reading. I like that that idea of this movie. For me, it, it was even just more simply, it just it is about belief and about faith in a certain way. And I don't say that religiously. I think they tie in though. What's that? I think they tie in together though. I think so too. I think both of those those ideas can can um can coexist and, and work together in that. Um my my big if, if I could be a little indulgent for a second my mm -hmm. big moment in the theater watching this like a as a kid i um what am i i'm a sophomore in high school so i'm, I'm 16 when this movie Same comes out um i wasn't cool i didn't like rebel with drugs or drinking or anything fun like that um but like i think my rebellion as far as my family was concerned was like was religious based like i i very much my family was various versions of christian uh, and I, I had totally rejected that by now. Yeah. I was kind of on my own path with that uh, and just didn't understand it. I, I've, I've had bad experiences with churches and whatnot, and, and I'm not taking away anyone else's uh, faith, no, no, no. please. Uh, but just personally, like I was in such a like, fuck this kind of place when I saw this movie. And it was a moment. Th there were several moments for me in this movie that like really solidified it. And then it was just the visual of him flying up above the clouds into the sun, soaking it back in that almost like there's like a vaginal rebirth thing in the clouds when he comes yeah. like shooting back through. Wow. I never thought of it like that. That's a great yeah, it's, it's point. Very, it's very that if you look at it. And, and I'm so it's interesting to me that this movie very much avoided a lot of the Christian symbolism that that other Person's you have the you have the, do, the do you, you have the big scene of him falling back where he's clearly yeah a, a the, bit yeah. that is that is the moment totally um but um yeah it was it was a moment for me we're watching this i had the realization of like oh i've been judging people who have had who have this you know metatextual essentially relationship with with jesus with with a a messiah or savior of some kind and watching this movie i'm realizing like oh i do too like i i believe in this character so much and i love this character so much and so much of you know what i am at 16 has been molded by watching this character in various versions yeah. go through these things and and be the best person and work through that that pain or whatever it is um 
that for me, like I left the theater and my mom was like kind of underwhelmed by a movie. And I was like, I understand you now, you know, like it was such a, <laughs> it was such a strange experience. Um, but for me, like that is so the message of this movie is just like it, belief, belief in humanity uh, and and the the comfort that that belief can give that like it's that moment in the greatest Superman scene ever put to film when that plane is crashing and he saves it. Yeah, and Lois is, Lois is reaching for that. I'm going to get choked up. Lois is reaching for that air mask and she, she doesn't have the strength and she just can't reach it. And she happens to look outside and he whizzes by. And it's just that thing of like, if he's out there, I can be a little bit better too. And, and I, I think that I'm, again, I, I'm not religious, so I don't mean to, not at all. some people i think that's what a lot of people get out of religion is is kind of that type of idea and watching this movie i realized like oh i i have that in my life too it is just for something that like inarguably is is fiction and whatnot but like it has that same resonance to me and i think that's the most is, is that what you meant earlier when you said about your transformative experience yeah watching the yeah film? i came out of that going like i understand messiah stories i understand all this like i and 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 just like going like I'm not going so far as to say um, that we could joke that DC is my religion or anything like that, but I'm like, <laughs> I have this in my life too. I just have a more yeah. modern version. Uh, uh, yeah, version of it, I guess. I First of all, Matt, I just want to say that's possibly the most powerful thing we've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> Alan, would you agree? Yeah, that's uh, that's that, and, that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, I'm to be honest, I, I, I we can go back to nerd like, stuff too. But no, but, but thank honestly, you for, thank you for letting me say that. By the but, way, but no, absolutely. I like I the, the, like we 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 all love this stuff for a reason. And whether it's the fact yeah. that we've read a book, or we've watched Lois and Clark, or we've watched the old Christopher Reeve movies, or whatever it is, the George Reeve show, or whatever people associate with the character, and it has affected. As I told the story before about how. You know, I, I didn't step up to the mark when I saw something happening years ago and it kind yes. of shook me to the core because Superman, you know, I was in love with these stories and I couldn't. And my entire life, my entire life, the, my wife, yeah. the, the, the profession I have, everything has come from that moment of comparing myself to someone and going, oh, my God, I, I don't measure up. I came any, up short yeah. in any way, shape or form. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Matt, and it's it's a beautiful, beautiful um, sentiment, I have to say. And and just to echo all of that, Matt, I, it, I just I found it so interesting because when around the time this film came out, I actually became more kind of religious, mm -hmm. and I I think I married the two. Like I think I saw Superman as like kind of a, an avatar of Christ, which I think is definitely intentional in all versions. Of yeah, Superman. you get it in the in the Snyder movies too. Yeah, oh, and it's something I, yeah. it's something I've moved away from since, and I actually think that I find. And, you know, whatever people think about this, I find more meaning in Superman because it's it's an idea that's able to change and able to kind of yeah. adjust mm -hmm. and grow and evolve. Whereas I think Christianity is kind of stuck and yeah. will always be stuck a little bit. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I've, I found that very, very fascinating. And, and thank you for sharing. And, and that's interesting, too, what you say to like him evolving, because like the, there's there's Hercules elements in him. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's Moses, obviously, and there's there's Christ stuff too. So like the, he is he is so um, baked into or like the the archetypes of him are so present in so much of of mythology over the years that it that it's 
it's kind of it's why like DC is like the perfect mythology for modern times for me, where it's just like that's yeah. why I'm like, don't take it too seriously. It's 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 you know uh, whatever moral stories that you're supposed to be learning from, you know. Um, I'm just going to follow that up with another really um, deep and meaningful uh, uh, question, and that is... I have a dumb question, too. Go ahead. Uh, the, space, the space shuttle scene, Matt, uh, is it yes. the greatest live-action Superman scene of all time? Um, oh, oh, name another. Like, I, I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I watched that this morning. I'm just like, this is the... I am sitting here doing, like, a dumb model thing, home alone, and saying out loud, like, go, Superman, go. You know, yeah. like, it is so, it is, it is so exciting it is to watch. It is so good. I remember after it came out, I used to just, like, watch. I used to put the DVD in and just literally watch that scene over sure, and over and over again. Yep. It, it, it is. And, you know, like, I grew up in the, in the generation where the Christopher Reeve helicopter was, that was it. Like, you mm -hmm. couldn't get any better than that. And... This is it's I watched it again today and like literal goosebumps on your like that scene. Like you said, he, he shoots by the window. You hear the boots oh. on the on the roof. He, the, the, the team swells. He lifts. Oh, my God. I just thought. And like if even if that doesn't get you, it's the it's when he walks out the door of the plane after talking to Lois and the crowd erupts. Goes nuts. There is so, I'm getting goosebumps on my arms right now talking about it. And nope. there is so many Superman things like like the Snyder movies yeah. where there's none of that. There's none of that. Like, fuck yeah, it's Superman. Yeah. There's none yeah, of that. Yeah. Rob, what do you think? I I agree. Uh, everything you've said, I, I would say I have problems with some of the execution of that scene. I think there's some really, really dodgy CGI. Yeah. It was yeah, dodgy yeah, yeah. at the yeah, time. There is, yeah. There's a scene where Brandon Routh like, lifts the, the ship into space, yeah. turns around, faces the camera, and it's just an actor looking at a camera. And for some reason, it's we CGI. need a full I was going to say, you're body. saying Brandon Routh out of respect, what? but he's not actually on screen. Yeah. What? And I've seen Superman and Lois. They're able to do those shots with Tyler Hecklin and make them look twice as good. Right. Why don't we do that in 2006? And there's, there's even a similar scene at the end where he's flying like before he does the you know goes up into space and he's flying through the clouds and it's you can why see it's just this? it's yeah. so badly rendered i don't know why yeah, they like, did it when they got it so george right reeves. yeah i know jo george reeves did this in 1951 where we could just have a have a guy lying on a thing turning right to the to camera to be fair why that didn't look great either <laughs> it didn't look great either but i choose that over this he's you know? talked but about anyway. it too of just like i don't know why i spent all that time on wires doing all this shit when they just kind of i would love i would it. love i would love if he took off at the end and they just switched to like some george reeves version where he's on, a, <laughs> on an iron board you know what's the dumb thing that i always notice in this movie of like he's such a quiet flyer like i'm so used to <laughs> yeah. dean kane caping yeah. out and then <laughs> breaking the the sound barrier instantly you know yeah but suffice to say, I agree. I, I think that shot, like, where Superman just flies past the window oh. and you cut to Lois, like, and the music complements it and everything. Like, this is, you know, I may have touched on it before, but this is a director's movie. Like, mm -hmm. there is directorial choices yes. in this. Like, when you compare it to, like, Marvel, and I, I love a lot of the MCU movies, and people complain about them all the time on Twitter, but they are not, they do not have a directorial standpoint on 90% of those films. This well, I feels agree like a director chose the majority, yeah. to make these choices, you know, and I love that. And Alan, as you said, when he walks out into that crowd yeah. and that kid shouts, Superman! And right next to him is an ice cold glass of Budweiser beer with the Budweiser <laughs> logo on it. America. I just want to go yeah. straight out and buy a glass of Budweiser beer and cheer Superman's name in the street. It is a great scene. And I also, I often wish that like, Man of Steel had ended with a scene like that, yeah. where instead of instead of just random chaotic destruction, General Zod getting his neck broken, Clark getting a job at the Daily Planet for no apparent reason, 
Like, we should have ended with a big fucking super save where everyone's right. going, oh my God, he's here to save us. You know? that That is interesting too, where it, you were talking about earlier, your version of the movie that starts in the world without Superman and see what it means, where it's just like, yeah. there is... Yeah, Lois points it out in that scene that I don't like, but like there is no question that the world is super happy to have him back. You know, like yeah. the movie is yeah, not yeah, interested yeah. in questioning that. The only thing we get of it, and I think it's very interesting, in that in that kind of celebration montage after he's done it and he's flying away and we're cutting to crowds in the street and everybody's fucking freaking out that Superman's back, the Jimmys are hugging. Perry is just sitting back in his chair and yeah. thinking, like, what does this mean and for me it's like what does this mean for the world to the paper to the market and not to mention for my nephew you know like it there's he's the yeah. one that gets to kind of have the weight of like huh franklin okay. jellis something I, just shifted franklin jellis uh perry white really kind of um it's real kind of a george hamilton kind of perry white like an updated george hamilton more so than lane smith i thought or um jackie cooper or any certainly of those. not a lane smith yeah i really thought that it was like an updated version of what that kind of like george hamilton's one is very one-dimensional and it's very kind of old school 1950s but i really thought that it was really good kind of updating of that version and um, what do you think about that rob do you, do you agree or um i would say that frank langella played the version of Perry White that is most like an actual editor-in-chief yeah. of a newspaper. <laughs> yeah. And he has also played the worst Perry White for that same reason. Because <laughs> I, I have worked in newsrooms and invariably editors-in-chief tend to be boring bureaucrats mm. who Steady. are only thinking, they're thinking about the next layout, they're thinking about the over the big picture, they're not thinking about their star reporter's mental health or... You know, if if their star reporters kind of parents are have flown in from Kansas, they don't want to hear a story about bitten be, being bitten by a snake. They, he just he's worried about, you know, our next edition is out in three hours. What are we putting on it? Frank Langella's Perry White is a silent, stoic, introverted bureaucrat. And he is the most like an actual editor in chief, but he's the most boring person to follow in a movie. <laughs> might take on him. That's so funny. That, that's, that's very fair. Um, I just like it because like, I feel like he had to make a different choice than what's happened before. Well, yeah, you know, like yeah. you're used to him screaming and whatnot. And by the way, it was supposed to, um, or at least Brian Singer wanted Hugh Laurie. Yeah, would have been... he was cast. He was cast, yeah. I think. Oh, did so he just good. pull out? For... Been so... uh, house. House, house, house was the issue, house. yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, both both Brian Singer jobs. Um but yeah, I, I like him very much in this movie. I like how quiet he is. And I like that they also take the time to show like he has he has the right relationship with Superman or with excuse me, with Lois Lane. They're just yeah. not shouting at each other all the time. Even like, you know, after the plane thing, it's just like, first of all, you were right? Great. Yeah. The story is Superman. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I like no, him a lot. Yeah, and I, I, I really like him, to be honest. He's not... There, there is one casting in this film that is my favorite version. Most most of my favorite versions of any of these is... Uh, I feel the like Lois we're all going to be on the same page about this My one. favorite version of any character... of uh, My favorite version of this character in any depiction is Superman Returns. And that has to be uh, this version of Jimmy Olsen. I thought you were going to say it, too. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I think... I think it's coordinates, Chief. I think... Uh, I think I, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. I didn't write it down. Sam, Sam Huntington. Is it? Sam Worthington. No. Sam Huntington. Huntington. Worthington was, Sam uh... Worthington is the guy from Avatar. He's shit. <laughs> yeah, sorry, He'd be a shit, Jimmy Olsen. Wow. <laughs> I went to Terminator, but you're, he, he probably would rather be known as the guy from Avatar. 
Sam did an amazing job uh, of bringing that old school kind of 1950s Jimmy Olsen to 2006. He's still a bit kind of, you know, offbeat with the with the bow tie and stuff. But like there's 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 this one scene that always makes me laugh. And it's the one where Lois comes back from flying around with Superman and she walks into the newsroom and Jason asks <laughs> her where she's been. And Jimmy is just eating on the wrap. <laughs> And he kind of Here takes an oversized bite of it. He's like this child who knows that his parents are about to have a, have an argument. Uh, I, I I just think he did a great great job, and I think he's unsung because he, I never really hear hear him mentioned. Yeah. Totally true. Total, very. Uh, I, yeah. No, I, I can't. I mean, he's no Justin that. Whalen, but you know, <laughs> the, 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 his dad's not aspire or anything, but he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Huntington is amazing in this movie, and I guarantee if Kevin Feige had any notes watching superman returns why is brandon routh not in more of this movie and underlined why is sam Huntington not in like 90 percent of this movie <laughs> this guy is your guy he is like the audience well, what's the word like that the audience, audience kinda, surrogate surrogate like he is the guy to sell the movie to the masses mm-hmm. like he yeah. is excellent in this movie and he has like four scenes he is incredible he's one of the best jimmy olsen's he's like Second under Michael Landes for me. I I think he's so so good. Matt fair, fair. and and bo- uh, both both of you guys. Just in terms of cinematography in the film, um, oh. what are your thoughts on it? Because they made some strange choices. Now I really appreciate the attempt they made. This kind of timeless aesthetic where you know like Lois is kind of wearing nineteen forties era clothing. Uh, it's it kind of timeless. Fucking but- great. But yet they have like screens and stuff and mobile phones. It's kind of it reminds me kind of Batman the Animated Series where there's kind of a mixture of both, and I really like that. But it's really fucking brown. <laughs> um, yeah, production design wise, I think it I think it's pretty great. Um, I think it, I, I too just want everything to look like Batman the Animated Series. I want to yeah. live in a world <laughs> that's deco but has you know uh, WhatsApp or whatever. Now that um, I'm a detective, I really just want the fedora to come back. To be honest with yeah, you, yeah, oh, that's, that's totally all I'm it. holding out. That's all I, I'm I holding the out. Same for. way. <laughs> yep. No, completely. Um, I production design, I think, is absolutely flawless throughout this movie. Um, I I like the 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 uh, I'm going to say Americana sepia tone thing that they're going for here. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives the movie a weird, a brownish and a greenishness. Uh, yes. a lot of times, and and that's what I. Th- think of it as in my head um it's funny to watch like i've got this beautiful book behind me that is all um the photography of this movie and there's just gorgeous stills in it and in that you're like oh that suit's bright you know like that that is a very bright suit and it's it's toned down here for the movie that they're doing i think it sets a wonderful tone um i'm usually the one that wants as bright as possible but i i I tend to like it in those yeah what about you rob I have to be honest, again, watching it this morning, you know, having watched 25,000 Marvel movies, <laughs> I did notice how beautiful the cinematography was. Like, it is very involved. It's very kind of carefully curated. There are some beautiful shots. There's a lovely shot where it kind of blends from the Metropolis cityscape at night into Lois Lane's yeah. living room as she's yeah. writing a story. I was like, that is such a beautifully crafted mm-hmm. shot, yeah. like by people who care you know um that being said i do think the whole kind of like you know sunset goldenrod kind of sleepy look this movie has it just isn't quite suitable for a superman story i think superman needs to be vibrant blue skies mm. 
cheering in the streets. Like it, it needs to feel like hope, whereas this feels kind of like well, the sun setting always makes me think of kind of like the the end of I I, I, hmm. I don't know I'm I'm not expressing it right, but it, it feels kind of contrary to what Superman. Well, I tell you, though well, I like it. I think sleepy is a really good um, yeah. descriptor for this. I think that's really yeah. Well, I'll just tell you something interesting that I noticed today. I sat down to watch it this morning and I have the I have the Blu-rays. Um, again, they're all in storage at the moment, but I have the DVD box set of all, you know, the original four films and this. And I put in Superman Returns and I first the first thing I noticed was uh, watching the scene where where Lex Luthor is talking about uh, Prometheus to Parker mm-hmm. Cozy's yeah. character. And the greatest boat in the world. Yeah. And the greatest boat in the world. The audio was terrible like really really, really bad like huh. it almost sounded like there was no ADR done in the scene okay. and as I was watching on I fast forwarded on the DVD because I was like oh if I watch this I really want to watch a good version of it and I fast forward on the DVD to the scene where they where they fly um, yeah. at night and I could barely see anything like I really thought <laughs> I was someone had just like not shot it correctly so I went online and I downloaded the uh, the, the Blu-ray version and I watched it and it was it was like night and day. It was completely. <laughs> it was so much better. The audio was all fixed up, and the the flying <laughs> was a lot better. Now, the only thing I'll say is I I really agree with what both what both you guys are saying. But there's like there's definitely shots in it where I think Superman's cape looks brown, uh, and I I don't think that should be the case. I, like I always well, want him to be vibrant and you know, in your face. Yeah, I get. It. <clears throat> I I, I want to read my my notes that I've written about Superman's costume. So, this Superman costume is irredeemable. <laughs> that's a that's a good that's always a good start. It looks like a birthday cake, wrapped in a fisherman's jacket with an ad for Japanese ramen on the front of it. <laughs> the, the, the is that the S? Is. Is that the, the... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like we'll talk about the suit. I I I never hated the suit. Yes, I always thought it was too small. I never like a suit that doesn't look like Clark Kent could wear it under the under the the his his business suit. Like when he lands on the plane, his boots are like this thick, like the soles of them I, are this thick. I'm like, you never is the boot thing. I ever actually wore. really like the boots. Well, like the, the boots, boots are the my boots favorite. Are, like, they're meant to be like skin tight that you slip on. Like 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 um, wait, whose is it that they, they just kind of hoard? Like the Christopher Reeves. I think, Christopher Reeves, yeah, they're really... very tight. Um. That's a tight boot. The yeah. only thing, and you don't really see it in the film, but if you look at photos of the suit or, you know, close-ups, it's covered in, in Superman S's. There's S's like everywhere. That. There's S's all over the boots. There's S's on the belt. There's S's everywhere. There's too many S's. Um, but other than that, I actually don't think it's it's a terrible suit. It's no Kingdom Come Brandon Root suit, don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't think it deserves all the hate it gets either. I'm I'm kind of suit neutral in this movie. I, I, I think it's a perfectly fine... Um, adaptation uh continuation of of what we had before i've never really liked the christopher reeves suit um oh, so really? I, I like yeah I, I like the updates that they do okay to it here the cape's a little bit longer um i don't mind it being a little bit darker uh the red on it being a little bit darker i agree that sometimes i don't think there's a right or wrong answer to the the sepia tone you know the the kind of color grading in this yeah. movie um, there are times where it looks particularly dark or brownish, um, and I, I get people not wanting to see that. Um, but yeah, I've I've always liked it. I I have a big continuity question just for like, do, do they ever actually establish where Christopher Reeve got his suit? Like, it, no. my understanding in this movie, at least, because it's so high tech, 
because it's covered in the S mm-hmm. and because it kind of matches the silver suit that he shows back up in is it's Kryptonian technology or at least like yeah it's fabricated it's impl- by the fortress I yeah guess? it's it's implied in the superman return in the superman the movie that it's it's right. provided by jor-el that it's right because like he just flies out of the fortress and he just flies out but yeah. like you don't get any kind of impression that it's anything other than what it is like a spandex right. a spandex costume or suit but i would have liked a little story about how it was updated for this or you know if he decided to change it or why he decided to change it, something like that but again that's that's all fan service stuff <laughs> besides perry just going like fashion is that a new suit is that you know yeah um, I, I yeah i guess that's just the thing i i always like a you know i like dean kane's suit so don't nobody take what i have to say very seriously um i i like a world where martha makes it so that yeah. that's just not what we're Me doing too. here Thank and what you. we haven't done in forever in the movies so for what it is i think it's i think it totally works and overall say the, the entire we didn't really give a synopsis of the film but uh, anybody who's listening to this knows what the story of the superman returns anyone is. listening to this podcast yeah knows what knows what superman returns is uh, lex luthor's overall plot overall like he, his plot is he's going to use the crystals <laughs> to create a continent it's going to destroy the united states and everybody's going to kind of leave him alone because he's, he'll have alien technology right. doesn't make any sense uh, no um because it, it's also like you know I've got new beachfront property. It's like, yeah, but it looks like shit. Like nobody wants to live here, you know. Yeah. Like, He's like, oh, I can live see my... on my hellscape of foam and dead fish. You know, like I can I see my no apartment interest. here, and I can see this. Like I almost would have like if if it had grown like a city, like if it had grown like you know Candor or somewhere, and it just sprouted out, sure. and you, you could see that he could like repel foreign attacks because he says it. He's like, who's going to stop me? I've got all the alien technology in the world, you know, what are they going to do? You know, they're right. not going to be able to stop me. Yet it's just this barren kind of like wasteland. Gross there's nothing, there's nothing there. What's he going to do with this continent, Rob? You don't even have your cannon anymore that was on your boat that's gone, <laughs> you know? Like... Yeah. So, Alan, you brought up an excellent point there. Show, don't tell. <laughs> Lex Luthor reminds us repeatedly in this movie that he has advanced alien technology yet, the, I, and I wrote it down, the only evidence of any technology he has whatsoever is a little table for him and his friends to play cards. <laughs> Everything else is just a big fucking rock. It's worse than Larry Smiley and Lois and Clark. At least in that, we see evidence of what his technology can do. It brings apart this... Apocalyptic weather situation where Superman has to save the world. In this, all we see is a big fucking rock. You what as like what? So do you, do you agree with my point that if, if it had been almost like he had grown like a city like Candor or something that it would have gone across a lot better? I think if they had shown us what he meant by his claims, then yeah. it would have been better. Yeah. Like I think in any version of the script, you need to show, don't tell, and. Alan, I recommended a Superman comic to you. He showed us all those maps. Movies. I don't understand. <laughs> yes, correct. Yeah, great. Excellent. That There is a Superman comic series called Superman Up, Up and Away yes. that was written, and I funnily think it was written in response to this movie, by uh, Kurt Busiek and Jeff Johns, wherein Lex Luthor uses Kryptonian technology to create a giant big fucking Kryptonian crystal robot suit with which he uses to fight Superman. You know, like, why not do that? And that that would also solve the problem of there not being enough punches and action for the young male audience of the scene. But it's never been something that I have wanted. There's no punching in Superman the movie either. 
yeah, I, I, I don't, I do not like that people use that as a criticism against this movie. Mm-hmm. That you, do, you don't need punching to, to, you know, make a movie like that. That that's not a thing. Like obviously, as you say, Alan, there was no punching in Superman the movie. But you need to give a viable threat in a movie, yeah. and I think the threat in this film is a little bit convoluted and it's a little bit old hat. And if anything hasn't aged well from those old Superman movies, it's the land grab. It's it's the land grab, and we didn't need hmm. a re- like. If anything, take take a page out of Superman Four's book and do a nuclear man plot. Yeah, you know, give Lex Luthor a supervillain for Superman to fight. Don't do this thing about fucking Kryptonian crystals in the water, and we're doing a big mountain, and it's what? And I, I no. think the plan or, or show us that he's figured out how to weaponize it. You know, like he's yeah. he, part of what he learned at the fortress was was like you know. You know, green kryptonite will kill you, but it'll also mess you up if you put it in uh, this type of round or radiate it this way or whatever, you know, like whatever it is. And I think the pro- and I think Go on, Rob, the yeah. plot, sorry, Alan, sorry, the, the plot from Superman, the movie worked so well because it was missiles. It was the Cold War. It was ripped from the headlines. It was something that people were familiar with. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, if those missiles hit the San Andreas fault, oh, my God, what a catastrophe. Whereas in this movie, it's crystals and it's krypton and it's well, what if the crystals go in the water? And and suddenly my mom and dad who are watching the movie with me, they're like, I'm lost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I know I read somewhere and, you know, there was probably a load of different um, ideas for the sequel or whatever, but that there was, it was going to play big in the sequel. New Krypton was going to attract Mm -hmm. Brainiac or there was going to be some kind of, you know, it was going to be a plot device for the sequel, but obviously we never got that. The Superman... Um, he falls to the earth. Very powerful, I think. That that whole hospital scene really kind of. Every time I watch it, you know, you, you have to see the cops bursting through the doors. Everybody's watching as Superman is being brought in on the trolley. Always gives me JFK Dallas nineteen totally absolutely sixty three vibes. Um, and I even get you mentioned earlier on that that scene where you know Lois, you know Jason says, or Rich, I always call him Jason, where Richard says to Lois, you know, you're Lois Lane, you can get in, and you can see her walking in yeah. part ways, and they allow her in, and she comes out then, and you can see the reverence everybody has for her. Really got kind of Jackie O vibes from from mm-hmm. her there coming out after after the JFK thing, and I just think that's a really powerful, really nice scene. Um, and again, the first time I've ever seen it, even Saint, Martha Kent, she's oh. in the crowd. Oh, my God. It never dawned on me. And it's been done since. But it never dawned on me up until that moment that if Superman was in hospital or Superman was dying or Superman's funeral was going on, Martha Kent would not be able to go. Yep. And that, I that's thought, my favorite well, thing Alan, about the, I... the death of Superman storyline, too, is when, when Lois finally calls her. And it's just like they've just been in Smallville just watching this whole horror show go on, you know? Um, no, I love that moment. I also love that this is like that kind of director's movie thing yeah. where like Singer had a lot of control on this movie and they've got that shot yeah. where little Jason, I got all screwed up there too. Yeah, for yeah, a second, where little Jason walks over to the super suit just sitting there on the chair just waiting for him. And I yeah. I like I love that shot. Just that that the iconography of that is so jarring to me where it's just like it's so mundane but powerful yeah. at the same time i love it what do you think rob do you agree i i was gonna say that Wrong i actually really like how that scene kind of pays homage to the death of superman comics where jonathan and martha can't go to the funeral they're stuck in smallville and yeah. they end up burying a bunch of keepsakes uh. Uh, of clark's in the, i i think that's beautiful and i actually think 
if I can say a nice thing about Zack Snyder, I really, really like that scene in Batman versus Superman where they're burying Superman. They're, they're having the big kind of mainstream burial of Superman in Metropolis. But then everyone in Smallville has this like much lower key yeah. kind of burial of Superman. I, I, I actually that that's the one thing I love about that film is how they bury Superman in Smallville and they play that lovely Hans Zimmer theme. Um, so, yeah, like I, I the, the only problem I've ever had with that hospital scene kind of watching it as a kid and watching it now is like we have literally established and and again this is not coming to it as a superman fan but as someone who who is watching this film Mm. we have literally established that the uh the earth's sun gives superman his power (laughs) can replenish him so why why are we keeping him in this hospital bed away from the like why are we not pushing that's a great you know that's this is a, a thing point. that we were talking about in the forums and the Superman homepage. At he the time. should be in a Why, greenhouse. Like, I was just going like, to say. It's fair enough if you do this in an episode of Superboy or an episode of Lois and Clark. But this is an actual film where you have set up the fact that the sun heals him. Yeah, so yeah. why are you putting him in this hospital bed away from the sun? Right, let him photosynthesize. Get those curtains out of there. Um, my 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 final kind of criticism: the the ending of the film. You know, uh, Superman leaves the hospital. Lois t- obviously whispers in his ear that um, that Jason is his son. He leaves yeah, the hospital. He yeah. goes and visits Jason as he's sleeping, and you know he he he, he repeats the famous uh, Jor-El speech. I love all that. I love it all. It's beautiful. Uh, they have a nice kind of goodbye where you can see she's in love with him, and he flies off. The only thing I'll say about it. I find for the end of a Superman film, it's 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 quite melancholy and somber. It's kind of like this kind of down, like the, the score is kind of real kind of rom- this kind of romantic score. And then he flies off. And as he's flying through the clouds, the, the theme rolls in and it's just kind of over. And I, I don't know if it's the upbeat, happy kind of like it's a nice moment, but I don't know if it's the upbeat moment you want to finish on before your crowd leaves the theater to talk about their Superman movie because I remember leaving I went with my friend Tig and I remember leaving and I was real kind of it, I, I liked it but I was real kind of melancholy after it I was kind of somber leaving the cinema and you know I was like I hadn't really I couldn't really process what I had just seen and I remember thinking I think I like it but I'm not sure I'll have to yeah. see it again but it, it definitely didn't leave me with the kind of fist pump that I wanted to walk out of the theater with I, I think partly that's intentional because it, it's like there's still a lot to be figured out for his yeah. life in you know at the end yeah. of this movie, which is why again it's say like what would the sequel be? Um but um I do think I do get that kind of though it's not everything's perfect right now, the hope is restored at yeah. the end of this for me. Not yeah. just, you know, obviously Superman's alive, so there's hope for the world, but there there's also hope for them. There's hope for whether whether you know, he he gets with Lois and raises his son with her or not. Like, there's hope for the future with the kid and all that. So, yeah, and I, hmm, I that's the more overwhelming tone I get. But I, I do think that some of that melancholy is isn't is intentional. intentional. It's just like Superman's now kind of part of our world. He's got he's got his shit to sort out. You know? Do you agree, Rob? See, yeah, I, I I do in a sense. I I feel like modern warner brothers their whole problem with superman is we don't believe in that kind of unfettered positivity and it is something that needs to be earned in the course of a film and i think you know especially with this particular film for i like i'll reference it again this is four years after 9 11 the greatest tragedy in the history of 
you know, the, 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 the landmass of the United States, you know. And I appreciate how hard it must have been to make a Superman movie four years after that with, with a character as patriotic. Like, you have to remember that as well. He's steeped in kind of patriotism and propaganda. And there's no way to kind of avoid that sense of obligation to not just jump back into feel-good fun. Mm. But at the same time, it's a hallmark of the character. And if you you lose something when you spend the whole movie apologizing for it, which I think mm-hmm. this and Man of Steel kind of did as well. And, you know, it you have to do it at some stage. You have to embrace that sense of positivity and that sense of fun. And I feel like both modern interpretations of Superman have went, okay, look, we're really, really sorry for this. We're so sorry. We know he's ridiculous. We know he's goofy. And we're so sorry. But here he is. You know, I've never <laughs> got that apology feel watching this, but but um, I'm interested to to think on that a little bit. I get I get no sense of fun from Man of Steel at no. all. You know, like no. I I just like yeah. don't think he's interested in it. Um, like hmm, in, that's this, interesting. You, you gave me something is, to think it's about. A, it's, I, it's I never thought with, of the apology. It's a thing with it's a thing with James Bond as well. I think all the uh-huh. Daniel Craig movies, and I love the Daniel Craig movies, but all of them there's a little bit, little bit of a sense of we're so sorry like you know, until like, until the last one when they're like i've hacked into blofeld's eye and it's like what the yeah. fuck did you just say but the the big difference between the say the man of steel films i think and and this earth this metropolis is that this is a world that wants to love superman like it's it's the crowds are cheering people are happy to see him back lois is hurt lois is has you know she feels betrayed she's hurt but this is a world that wants Superman, that needs Superman, that's happy to see Superman back. And I always got the impression that that was kind of trying to mirror what the real world was like. We hadn't had a Superman in 19 years. Their Superman has gone five. Our Superman really on the big screen. I know smaller than the Lois and Clark and stuff, but on the big screen, yeah. he had been gone since 1987 and he's back. And everybody in the film is happy, is delighted to see him. And I, I think it was meant to echo how we were supposed to feel about him returning as well. And it didn't really land that way, unfortunately. But And, and also people wanted to feel joy. Yeah. They wanted to embrace a hero, you know, after, the, like I keep bringing it up, but after the trauma that had happened, they wanted to embrace something as yeah. pure as Superman, you know. But there was that contingent of people who couldn't do that. And I think that's what Lois is supposed to embody in this film. Will we, will we, uh, will we get into ratings? Will we give it a, out of five, maybe? Matt, we can I go give first? a... Can I talk about some really positive things I really like? Oh, yeah, sure. Because I feel like I've been trashing you for the whole thing. <laughs> um, Superman pulling the boat out of the water. Oh, yeah. Uh, everybody talks about the airplane scene and saving the plane and all that. Superman pulling the boat out of the water in the third act, mm-hmm. to me, is like pure cinema. Yeah, crazy. again, that, that shot of his boots coming on that porthole is is her looking out the window and seeing the zoom yeah. by. Yeah. It's like everything working together. The boots landing on the thing that the music kind of shifting we hear that john williams theme we we cut to a like a shot of just water and then suddenly superman is emerging from the water it's it's purely like an actor yeah. being filmed there's no cgi and it's just pure cinema it's one of the best yeah, shots of any superhero movie and it it, it just and ends you up really with feel the, carrying the, the, the boat you really feel the darkness and the loneliness and the coldness of that family being trapped in under the water as well mm-hmm. before he comes it's a real dark moment there's no real music you hear the water you can you know it, it's it's a real panic moment and yeah you're right it's beautiful it's absolutely brilliant and you know I, if i haven't mentioned it before john Upman's score is just absolutely 
indescribably brilliant in this film. Yeah. It's so, so good. He takes what John Williams did and he makes it better. And it's so, so good. Again, if the I movie was playing in my head constantly that summer. And like anytime I was on my bike or whatever that summer, I had that on my, my you know, on, memories. on my disc man. As memories is such along. a beautiful piece of music of that, you know, that, 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 that running and it builds. Oh my God. I how could that. you leave us to the, the, how, um, can you read my mind scene? Yeah. That, that music is, is hauntingly beautiful. The only flaw I would have in his score is why do we not have a complete, full-on, you know, love theme from Superman uh, performance? Is it, he he he? And I think I read an inter, uh, mm. an interview with John Ottman at the time where he said he he didn't really like mm. John Williams' love theme. He didn't like the "Can You Read My the, Mind." Yeah. So he doesn't he doesn't really do a full version of that where it's just complete. And I I would give anything to hear that. I think John Ottman would do an amazing job at. So yeah, so John Ottman's score, um, the the boat scene, I absolutely love. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, and you know what, I I anybody who's seen it just before we get into ratings, anybody who's seen it, who walked away back in two thousand and six, going, mm, it wasn't great. I urge you to go back and watch it again. It's not perfect. There are issues with it. But I have to say, I I much 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 preferred the experience I had today watching it. I had kind of put it in this thing where I was like, oh, it's all brown and it's lifeless and there's no action and there's no this and there's no that. Maybe it's because I was 21 at the time and now I'm 37, almost 38 years of age and I'm at a different place. And I just want to see that Superman back. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, Matt, we'll, we'll get into ratings, Matt. Um, what do you say out of five? I, I uh, It's got problems, but if it's just an out of five, it, it, it's a five for me. It's my, it's my favorite Superman movie um, that's meant to be a movie. I, I, I think I'll watch yeah. this Lois and Clark pilot more than anything, <laughs> but that's just my own personal, you know, nostalgia. That's, that's a movie. That's Pill a movie, to swallow, yeah. you know? Um, no, I, I did. And again, kind of changed my, a certain part of my philosophy or, or outlook uh, on life. So I, I, I can't take away that's from fantastic. it in that way. So five. Rob, what about you? Um, I want to give it a three, but I have to give it a two because everyone learned the long, the wrong lessons from this <laughs> film and they convinced themselves that the traditional Superman will never work in a film because this film was made poorly. The one-two punch Sorry. of this and then Dark Knight's success was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like every, everyone will always tell you, oh, well, they tried to do the Reef Superman and it didn't work. Look at Superman Returns. No, they tried to do it and they did it badly. And that's I, I just remembered a, a good friend of mine contacted me recently. I told him I was doing this. Uh, I've known this guy since I was four years of age and he contacted me recently and he told me that he still has a text message or a, some version of a text message or an email that I sent him the night that I left this movie in 2006 oh, wow. telling him that it was the greatest movie ever made. <laughs> <laughs> And he was like, you know, I'll come on the podcast, man. I'll read out that message that you sent. I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll cop um, to it. I'll, so I'll, I'll shout out to Dave there. Um, I'm going to give the three. I, I think if you had asked me this morning, I would have given it a two. Uh, I think I think a three for me. It's a three for me. Uh, I have to say I really enjoyed it. It has faults. It's not a perfect movie. It's not my favorite Superman movie. Um, but I, I have to say I enjoyed it today, false and all, and um, I will be happy to return to it again sometime soon. Um, I have to say that it is, uh, yeah, it's really gone up a notch or two in my in my book. I think I, I really, really enjoyed it today, despite all the flaws. So I'm going to give it a three. 
So I think that brings us to the end of the episode. Um, unless anybody has anything else to add? No? No, guys, thank you so much for letting me come and, and no. just gush on this movie. Like, I, uh, I hope we didn't just kind of bombard you with... No, with oh, I, like, I'm aware of the, the people versus yeah. natural. <laughs> no, it's and all good. It's, it was great. Look, if there was anybody to be here to, to talk about the positive sides of Superman Returns, I'm so glad uh, that <laughs> it was you, uh, Matt, and that you came on. Um, everybody, you can contact us at uh, All Star Superfan at... Um, sorry, at All Star Superfan on Facebook and Instagram, at All Star Superpod on Twitter. And please reach out to us with your emails, your thoughts and opinions. Do you agree with us? Do you not agree with us? At allstarsuperpod at gmail.com. And, and we will read them out in the next uh, Metropolis mailbag segment. So please get in touch and leave us a review if you can. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Again, for having me. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Stay super. Bye.